sources. Cuban is beside himself, driving around downtown Dallas begging through texts Jordan's family for the address to DeAndre Jordan's house. We crushed them on the basketball court and we're going to for years because of the way we've built this team. We're light years ahead of probably every other team in the structure in planning and how we're going to go about things. Anything is possible! Welcome back to Backboard of the Rings. I'm your host and heavily protected first-round pick, Barley. I'm joined by our expiring contract, Eric, a.k.a. Shellen. <laughs> and our other guest here is our cash considerations. And AKA, AKA, AKA yes, I would love some cash considerations, baby. <laughs> um, so I would always be happy to see that show up on my porch. Um, we, are <laughs> we are here to talk about uh so previously our last episode was kind of a wrap-up of the season and i guess draft and stuff like that in this free agency period is kind of like the new season i guess you could say so we're kind of in this in-between area so we're going to talk about uh the draft a little bit uh none of us are experts so we're just going to kind of quickly run through that uh there's some news involving some trades and some stuff that we're going to want to talk about and then at the end Oh, the meat on the bone. We're going to talk about the state of our three teams, and each of us is going to be sad. <laughs> so, uh, people can look well, forward to that. They can skip to that at the end. Some of us are going to be sadder than others. That's true. That is true. So, um, let's just hit up the draft here first, guys, because I know, like I said, none of us are really big into the draft and knew a whole lot about it. So, I also was the only person available to watch the draft. Um, so, I was the only person who, fortunately, I did not watch the ABC broadcast and have to suffer even A, and I'm guessing Perk was on it, I don't know. I watched the ESPN one, so I had uh, Phyllis and um, JJ and Malika. Right. So, that was much better. And then I listened to the Hoop Collective one, which sounded even better, with Wendy Pelton and Kirk Goldberry. Um, but... Uh, let's just run through some stuff that I liked about it here. We can talk about some of these picks quickly here. Uh, obviously, we're not going to dedicate a whole lot of time to it. We spent basically an entire podcast premise to talk about it. Love the Spurs getting uh, Victor Wenbenyama, but I, what I thought was interesting is they picked another French player, uh, Sissoko, which I think is this is really out of baseball, where you pick two guys from the same, or you have two guys from the same country to kind of help um, make homesickness a little less worse and stuff like that, so... Uh, I kind of like that idea from the Spurs. I know that they have, like, they're the, the best team at developing international guys, but I thought that was kind of an interesting idea from them. Um, and who am I to doubt them, right? Well, it's not like you care about that second-round pick. I mean, no offense to that guy, but honestly, like, when you get <laughs> Yama is your first-round pick, let's, let's, let's all, like... Yes. Recognize the, the, pick, the pick that matters here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... They got they got Wemby. If you want to hear us talk about Wemby, go back to the uh, a couple times ago when we did a whole podcast basically about the Spurs getting Wemby and we lost our minds. <laughs> um, I liked what Indiana did. They traded down one spot, and we'll talk about this trade a little bit here. But they basically traded down one spot, and they still got their guy, and they picked up second round picks, which are future assets. I just think that was really smart of them. Um, kind of boring, but. I mean, trade down to get your guy anyway, like, and he got assets, awesome move. I mean, there's no way to say it other than A-plus move. Um, I liked 
the Raptors have, big. Oh, go ahead. Just about India. I was going to say they have no choice but to be good in the draft. You look at the players they've drafted over the yeah. years, like Danny Granger, Paul George. Granted, they drafted and then traded uh, Kawhi Leonard, but still, like they draft really good players mm-hmm. consistently because they always draft in the middle in the middle of the draft, so they have to be good at it. Yep. Yeah, small market teams, like, you're not going to attract free agents, so that's, like, the, that is the way you get your talent. So you, or through trades, of course, as they got Halliburton through trade. But uh, you got, that's how you got to do it, right? So uh, despite his uh, suit, which was... <laughs> uh, so good. <laughs> yes, I loved it, and I was also alarmed at the same time. I don't know how to just... Uh, I mean, this guy... Shellen, he was only like a 20 minute walk away from me, and this is what he was capable of if only I had known. Um, <laughs> uh, like the Raptors picking Grady Dick, uh, I think that was a good pick they need, especially with Van Vliet kind of up in the air, and they might be able to trade Gary Trent Jr., who just opted in. I like the pick. Shooting is always nice, and uh, I think they got good value because he, they got him at 13, and people were saying he could have been a top 10 pick, so. Right. You uh, need some shooting to go along with your conglomeration of six foot nine athletes. So exactly. <laughs> way to get some. Yes. Um I had to mention it though because of the, the suit. My God, that was um something else, huh? I, I liked was- the idea. Uh ah, boy. The shoes were cool, like the the red soles underneath. That was an ill fitted suit, so I don't I, I got to figure out where he got it in Lawrence and not never go there because it was it did not fit him well. <laughs> um, we've talked about this team a lot. The previous episode here on the finals, I liked assuming they keep him. And we will get to this later. If the Heat keep Jaime Jaquez, I really liked that pick. Older player. Uh, you know, he's, as everybody likes to say, he's got that dog in him. He was, you know, we, we know he's played in big games with UCLA. I think he's just a perfect fit. Um, I really like the Hawkins draft pick. Yeah, tough not to like. I mean, I like a lot of those guys on that UCLA team. A couple others got drafted, but he's going to have to improve the three-point shot to stick around mm-hmm. at the NBA, but he's got the size and handling to be kind of a, a modern NBA wing. He, you know, he kind of played point power forward for UCLA. That won't be the case with Bam, obviously, there. But uh, if if he could develop a respectable outside shot, I think he's got a good chance of sticking around in the league. Yeah. He's a smart player, too, so I think because uh, he played with uh, Ju Zhang, who had the ball more when they had that Final Four run than he did, so I think he'll be fine. But mm-hmm. uh, just a great fit, I think, is what I like about that one. And then my other two things that I really like, let's get to your teams here. I loved... Golden State taking uh uh what was it Brandon uh Pachemski. Yep. Yeah. Uh mostly because <laughs> I couldn't believe it when it happened and I didn't know who this guy really was. And then he says it like, oh, they have a lot of Milwaukee guys. I was like, what? Yeah, he's another Wisconsin guy. So love Golden State continuing to stalk my home state for basketball players. Oh, I mean, beyond that, it's a great great fit he's a good shooter the advanced metrics love him and uh they needed to replace pool with a player who won't make steph curry get ejected from a game so i like it <laughs> yeah man i can't believe so i so true <laughs> i can't believe i forgot that on my top moments uh on the last I, podcast we recorded 
Steph getting ejected for throwing his mouth guard because he was pissed at Jordan Poole. Uh, that should be number one on my list. I can't believe I forgot it. I can't believe I did either. I think I was saving it for this, so I think I forgot it. So much fun stuff to talk about on this episode. I can't wait. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, show it uh, quickly here because we'll get to a state of our teams. What do you think about the pick for you guys? Um, it 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 feels good. I think you know we're you're drafting a an older college player because as we'll discuss later on, they've abandoned the two timelines, so they needed somebody that was he's only ready 20, to though. contribute. Um. I'm a little worried because he's got Desmond Bain uh, syndrome a little bit where his wingspan's only 6'5". Uh, so oh, short yeah. arms, um, not a particularly gifted athlete either. Uh, so you got to think that defensively between those two things, he's not going to be great. So uh, hopefully the shooting is enough to overcome that for a bench unit that really needs shooting. You know, he was the best shooter basically there that was left, maybe him or Chris Murray. Um, so... Yeah, can't hate it. I think if if the Warriors weren't in win now mode, I was amazed that Cam Whitmore fell that far, and he was who I was kind of like eyeballing. But he's too much of a project for a team that's trying to maximize Curry's window. So feels good. Yeah, you can't take another project after you just failed having a whole bunch of project guys, yeah, and exactly. you still got Kaminga. You can't do that. Uh, it's not gonna work. So. You yeah. gotta hope that Desmond Bain is the comp, though, because despite all the negatives you mentioned, Desmond Bain's a damn good player. So if you can mm-hmm. end up anywhere in that, you know, zip code, you're doing all right. Oh yeah, yeah. no, I mean, sure. if he turned into that, then the Warriors are in amazing shape. But yeah, no, if he just he needs to just come off the bench and hit his open threes that he's gonna get thanks to point god, right? So we'll see. Yeah. And like I said, most importantly, you moved off of a Wisconsin guy and replaced him to keep your quota. I don't really quite know what Joe, who's got like the goods on Joe Lake up that forces him to do this, but um, I assume it must be Herb Cole. I don't quite know, but uh, um, incident with cheese that we don't talk about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, maybe it's something to do with the. Uh, dairy state type of thing, like Golden or uh, you know, California's always talk about how they made more milk than Wisconsin, but like, that's our thing, okay? You can't steal that from us, so we don't have a lot going on in Wisconsin, so maybe that's something to do with it. Um, and then the other the other move I really liked, uh, Dan, let's get some plaudits to your team. I know you want to save your thoughts to later, but I will just say them now. I loved you guys trading down uh, from number 10, <laughs> 10 to getting and getting rid of Burton's money which uh, was not a great contract. Such a win to do that. Oh, yeah. Just that would have been nice. And then you got uh, Lively at 12, who everybody thought the Mavs wanted to pick anyway. So it's like, again, same thing with Indiana. Trade down, get the guy you want still. Always love it. And then also picking Omax, Olivier Maxon Prosper out of Marquette. Another Wisconsin guy. Uh, I'm not not purposely not being biased here, but um, he is a big wing uh, hustle guy can play defense and the two things your team needed uh you guys can play defense i don't know how lively is gonna be in his rookie year i don't know when he can start to contribute he was a little maybe not quite ready but omax is the body to be ready right away i i think omax is a great pick but also a bit of a project but luke is still mm-hmm. young so that's fine and Lively is a perfect pick, and I, I don't want to step all over the later segment, but yeah, I w- I'll just say this: I was expecting, given the front o- the Mavs front office recent decisions, 
to like really be unhappy with their draft decisions. And actually I give them an A. I think they really, they really knocked it out of the park in terms of both of those picks. Yep. I mean, technically agreed, but whatever. You guys know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And you got Rashawn Holmes who uh fell out of the rotation in Sacramento, but he's he's like a decent rotation guy. Oh, that's fine. Um yeah. Yeah, no, it was good good all around. And honestly, getting rid of Bertons is like when the misses and I went and watched the Mavs, granted, yeah. Kyrie trade, but this last season when uh, we went, we went into the fourth quarter against the Clippers. Bear in mind, PG and Kawhi were both playing that game, uh, not load managing either, like actually playing. And we went into the fourth quarter tied, and we're at home. And I'm like, okay, this is uh, this is good. It's good to be tied against a team this good going to the fourth quarter. And then Jason Kidd and his infinite wisdom decided Davis Bertans needed to be on the floor. Can you guys guess which player? Uh, <laughs> alternated icing uh, the entire fourth quarter. Man, he's so bad. Yeah, so uh, he can shoot, but I'm glad that he can shoot for another team now because he yep. was <laughs> far our worst defender. Yeah, and uh, that was a bad contract from the moment he signed it in Washington. That's why people have been trying to dump it so many times. Uh, so, uh, oh, you know, the funny thing is because Oklahoma that he picked him up. They actually kind of need his money to make the salary floor, so they're going to keep him because they need it. Yeah, to it there, so. It's the perfect fit, then. They're going to yep. be the all-team all salary floor this year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, let's go quickly here to some things I uh, didn't like so much. I did not understand the Wizards taking uh, Bilal Koulibaly so high. I, I mean, like, a couple of months ago, he was like, nowhere near this position to be picked at seven. So I think even if they liked him, a bit of a reach, especially because they, they traded up with Indiana to get him. They traded a couple, the couple second round picks to get him. I just didn't really get that. Um, I understand he's a fast riser on the boards, but seemed like a bit of a stretch to me for a guy that... I mean, when people rise up the board that rapidly, that quickly... You got to be a little scared, I think. Um, yeah, and I don't know. It's so unfair to ever use previous people uh, to judge, but I, I am so guilty of it, too. And all I can think of was, like, Dante Exum and uh, Frankie Smokes in terms of, like, <laughs> fast-rising French wings recently. Mm. Like they, yeah. <laughs> So that, not fair to Bilal here at all, but I don't know. If if any team can afford, I suppose, to have somebody that's two years away, or maybe two years away from being two years away, uh, like mm-hmm. our uh, Brazilian Kevin Durant, uh, Bruno Cabalica was, um, I guess it's the Wizards, because they're not going to be any good, but that is a head-scratcher. Yeah, at least he's going to a team that's going to be bad, so it's like, there's no pressure on him if he needs some time, so, yeah, I don't know. Seemed Seemed a little bit of a reach to me. Uh, another one that was a bit of a reach was the Magic. I, I didn't get their draft at all. It confused me. They took another guard, so I think they've taken like three guards in the last like four drafts, something like that, or something crazy like that. It's like you took another guard, so it's like, uh, oh, okay, so now we have more of that position. And then on top of that, so that was the Anthony Black pick. They totally reached on Jet Howard, in my opinion, when. If they wanted a shooter, why did they not just take Grady Dick? Uh, Or Jordan Hawkins. Yeah, I mean, 
I just didn't get it. That was a oh, that yeah, one. Yeah, I I think that one's probably the most panned pick out of any by like experts. You know, I I did not get to see much Michigan. I so I'm shocked that there were multiple Michigan players in the first round, despite it them being this terrible year. this year. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I don't know. It, it, most experts had him as a late first, and some even had him as like a second round guy. So like, uh, using a lottery pick, who knows? You know, I don't know, but. That that was the most head scratching for experts, I think, in the first round. Yeah, it like I said, it the position of the idea of like we need a shooter, let's pick one. I get, I hundred percent agree. It's just the fact that two picks later, you could have just gotten a Grady Dick when he was on the board for you, who we know can produce in big games. We saw him. Yeah, uh, I know they didn't win the title this year, but um, he was in a lot of big games and he could. And I think the sorry to get a little Kansas uh, specific here, but one of the big problems and mistakes they made in their uh, I think their the game where they got eliminated in the, the tournament was they just parked him and they didn't have and he didn't run at all and that was part of their success. Whatever they could have gotten more on a Grady Dick, so that was a weird one. And uh, I didn't understand Atlanta taking uh, Buffkin because they took another again taking another guard when it's like we have Trey. This is another guy who handles the ball a lot. Another Michigan guy. It's like, we have Trey and we have DeJounte. Uh, it makes me wonder if they're thinking mm-hmm. they might not have DeJounte. Murray. Yeah, I, I, I think they know that there, there's a chance they're losing Murray, is what, what, that, what that draft choice is telling you. Yeah, that's the only reason I could think of, because it doesn't make sense to have another guy who needs the ball as a guard. That's the only thing I can think of. So, um, yeah, bit of a weird one. Presaging either either trading Trey or losing Murray in free agency is my guess. But yeah, I, I don't. Atlanta is a weird team. They've been shopping John Collins for what, like four years <laughs> since before we were born, before he was born, even. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. There's a lot of rumors about their about yeah Trey and uh, Dejounte and what could potentially happen to him. So. Um, yeah, I agree. Probably, uh, trying to put some sandbags up if they have some potential problems in the future. And then, as Wendy has been pointing out, let's talk about it right now here. The Kings, uh, in their moves with the, the Holmes and stuff. So the way I understand it is if they basically renounce Harrison Barnes and they have to not sign him, they would have like $36 million yes. in cap space. Um, they have one guy that they would want to re-sign. I forget who it was. Uh, Lyles, I think, probably yep. they resign. So the idea is that they could now give Sabonis his raise because he's going to be eligible for... Um, that extension that you get the percentage increase uh, thing. So they could just give him that money and then they would have, I think like 10 to 15, something like that available. But there's a lot of talk that having the $30 million, they need defense and they need a center specifically. And so they are currently being heavily linked to two players here. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, one from 
this is the time for Dan to just torture us with <laughs> the thought of either of us losing our player here. Uh, for the Golden State Warriors, he has opted out. It is Draymond Green, and obviously they need a center. They need some defensive toughness, but he's got the um, connection to Mike Brown. And then the other one is Brooke Lopez because uh, he would provide a center to help anchor their defense and also provide shooting, and he is an unrestricted free agent. So, um, I don't know. Maybe they might not get either, any of those guys. Who knows? But uh, interesting kind of ideas for what they've been doing here. It is, yeah. I, man, I don't know. This is one of those things where I'm obviously not a front office person. I don't see how either of those players play alongside Sabonis that well. Like, I love Brooke. He's, you know, was in the running for defensive player of the year last year, but he's not fast. You know what I mean? He, yeah, he, he's slow. Having Sabonis and him on the floor at the same time is just asking to get cooked in pick and roll situations out there. Um, if you can pull both of them away from the rim and these sorts of things. And then Draymond Green plays like the same position on offense that Sabonis does. Like, he's obviously a much better defender and can fit on their defense, but like, his job as a facilitator as the pick and roll role man um, versus Sabonis is kind of like Jokic light dribble handoff sort of offense that he likes to run for them. It just don't seem like good fits despite both way of them being amazing players and you can make it work, but yeah, there's way too much positional overlap there to have Sabonis and dream on on the same team. So, I mean, a couple of the other things that I saw that the Kings could do with that cap space that just seemed much more interesting to me, you know, you can, uh, Jeremy Grant, it, yep, that's about that the amount one. of money that Portland can offer um, as well. Maybe you can lure him away from Portland. He'd be a great like fit that. on that team, I think. Naz Reed to come in and play center. Come uh, on, yes. From Minnesota, he's an unrestricted free agent. You can probably throw more money at him than Minnesota can. That sounds great. Josh Hart was thrown around a bit, but I think I just saw like an hour ago Woj talking that it seems like it's likely he's restructuring and re-signing in New York. Um, But he was another option. OG, uh, Anunoby, was another like name thrown out there. Like they have a lot of really interesting options, including Draymond and Lopez with that cap space that they were able to clear by, by not doing Barnes and clearing off Rashawn Holmes. So, uh, I'm interested to see what they can do. I, I do think that somebody like Jeremy Grant would be like the perfect fit uh, to just replace Harrison Barnes and give them more defense out there. They're still going to have issues big man defense, but um, if they if they could potentially do that, or maybe Kuzma is an option. Uh, the Kings have some some fun some fun play to improve their team, and the big thing for that is with the way it's structured. From what I understand. Regardless of what they do, they'll still have the full mid-level exception also to add another piece after they they work that cap space and the Sabonis extension. So interesting times for Sacramento come free agency, I think. Yeah. Uh, obviously, a uh, team to keep an eye on, and they were third in the West last year. They're good. So yep. um, they could be a team that, we always say it, you know, what if, Jokic sprains an ankle or something, and in the postseason it's open. I mean, universe, how dare you? <laughs> well, are we going to get? Uh, is Zaza coming back to step underneath somebody? Uh, <laughs> oh, who's Pat Bev going to sign for to push him from behind? 
Grayson Allen, he's going to get traded to like karate chop him out of the air. Um, I don't know. All options. Oh, uh, All also, options. What, if, what about, uh, I mean, you're saying playing Draymond is a bonus together. It's never going to happen because Draymond's going to fatality as a bonus by stomping on him. Yep. In practice. And then his bonus will just be dead. So, uh, Speaking of teammates that wouldn't get along, that <laughs> weighs into a certain other Warriors, new Warriors player that I've been thinking about. Okay. Let's, uh, Let's just move on here. Let's go straight to uh, our, our new segment. Let's go to trades. Let's talk about this one because I think it makes sense since we talked about the Warriors here. Yep. To talk about Chris Paul going to the Warriors, essentially in a salary dump for Jordan Poole. Shellen, uh, do you want to take the floor first or do you want me and Dan to go first and then you just come down with a hammer? Have to go first on this, right? Yeah, I can go first. It, it's funny. Um, I don't think I went through the five stages of grief immediately uh, <laughs> after hearing this, but it was it was kind of similar. I I saw the I saw Shams and Woj basically immediately when it happened. You know, I've got push notifications turned on for them during this silly season here, and my heart just sank. I couldn't believe it. Um, I am not the most slanderous person towards Chris Paul, probably, but I certainly am. I do not like Chris Paul. I do not. And, and let me clarify, I, I don't sports like Chris Paul. Like, I have no idea. He doesn't seem like a bad human being off the court or anything like that. But I sports hate Chris Paul um, and have basically forever. He's a dirty player on the floor. He is never healthy. Come playoff time, he and the Warriors have beefed since he was with the Lob City Clippers. That was just the biggest gut punch ever. I'm, I was glad to see Jordan Poole gone, but I could not believe. And I knew we weren't going to be able to get anything for Poole. Like, I, I was expecting us to have mm-hmm. to give away more picks than we did to clear off that contract. <laughs> but getting signing Chris Paul was just a terrible, terrible gut punch. I think after sitting on it for a couple hours, I, can, I feel okay about it for, for just a couple reasons. Like, the Warriors... You know, that they made a big deal about we've got two timelines. Like, can we still compete and build for the future? We're building a, a forever dynasty sort of thing. Like, that failed <laughs> so miserably because they missed so badly on the Wiseman pick. But then Poole um, turned out he's an idiot and he can't play defense. And he it's got punched in the face games. and the Warriors didn't handle that well. <laughs> uh, and a whole bunch of things happened. But, and then, you know, Kaminga and Moody, who knows? They still might be okay, but they're they're not you know, all-star looking sort of players and these sorts of things. So they just gave up completely on the second time. We're getting rid of Ryan Rollins. We're getting rid of Patrick Baldwin Jr. We're getting rid of uh, James Wiseman for nothing. We're getting rid of Jordan Poole for basically nothing. They they, they didn't have options to improve this season. The, the, the new CBA was basically a gigantic target pointed directly at the Golden State Warriors. I mean, uh, the entire premises of this is they hated the idea of a a, a rich owner being able to just spend their way through the luxury tax. Um, you know, they couldn't take on salary and trades. They weren't going to have uh, even a taxpayer exemption. There was no way they could improve the team. So this is the best win now move possible. They're still not going to be Denver level contenders in the West, but their bench has been terrible. So Chris Paul will be at least okay. I suppose with the bench unit. Um, we'll see how it works. He's not going to be, he's not moving the needle for me as like the Warriors actually being a contender next season. But I've talked myself into it being like the best they could do 
while handcuffed with this CBA issue that they have and the Jordan Poole albatross contract that they signed. Yeah, I kind of agree. I think that it gives them the pathway to re-sign Draymond for two reasons. One, they admitted after the season the punch totally effed up their team chemistry, so there's no way you could have Poole and Draymond again on the same team. So... For that reason, and then also the money is the other thing, too. I mean, obviously, they got rid of all that money, so now they... I mean, could- and after watching Poole this season, to be fair, I think they absolutely made the right choice. Oh, Poole sucked. He was awful. Not good this year. No, and and the, the thing, too, is... Uh, sorry, Sheldon. The thing here is he, his outlier season was the title year. Like, his, his three-point shooting that was terrible this year has been in line with his previous career averages. So it's like he had the one really good year. They won the title... And he's not been good in the other years. So it's like, what do you think is the real Jordan Poole, right? It's exactly. Like, oh, yep. It's this he other guy. Literally the worst player in the NBA the season before they won the title. Like they sent him back down to the G League for bits because like in terms of like basically all stats, he was the worst player in the whole league. And then we watched him in the playoffs make dumb, dumb turnover decisions, be out of position on defense, not even trying on defense. I mean, we're talk- you talked the, the Davis Patons situation. Like watching Lonnie Walker just absolutely obliterate him in the playoffs was just painful, and the Warriors had to play him out there because again they they they're they're so tapped on the tax line that they need any scoring they could get on that second unit. And I don't know, Chris Paul won't be that bad in the playoffs if he's healthy, but he won't be healthy. So I don't, I don't know. I I'm I'm still upset about the whole thing. Um, but I, you're you're much better at handling these sorts of things than I am. That's like you have such an even keeled, uh, uh, rational take on it all. I, I I agree with basically all your points on that. The one thing that I will double down on though, like so, a I absolutely sports hate Chris Paul for the same reasons you mentioned. So I won't belabor that. But B, the thing that really still puzzles me is stylistically he is such a weird match for the system. Yes. You guys, play. yeah. Like, he is a pound the ball, deliberately, like, run half the shot clock, like, bring it up the floor, and then, like, get into your stuff. And, like, he's very good as a tactician in that style. Like, I, I, I will give him props. Well, certainly in his prime he was. And he's still, like, he still has a good mid-range shot. He's still a great passer. Like, he's got the court vision. He's really smart. Knows all the rules, including how to bend and break them sometimes. But he's so deliberate of a player and as you described it earlier, the Warriors are so like chaos in motion kind of thing that where, where Steph is the center of gravity. So the only thing that I can even try to like conceive of is him playing like 15, 18 minutes off the bench and mostly having his minutes staggered where he's not in with Steph at the same time. And you basically run two discrete offenses. Yeah, I think that's what they'll probably do because there's, their non-Steph minutes are so horrendously terrible. It's like staring into the abysses of hell that I think having Chris Paul basically run a second unit, I think it's got to be the strategy. I don't, I, I don't know if you could really play in a postseason setting like Paul and Curry together because now you got two. It's the same thing with like if you play Curry and, and Poole together. It's like now we got two undersized guards out there. Right. And it puts a lot of pressure on your front line. Um, I know, you know, Steph is fine at defense, but 
just I well, I will say it, that it, doesn't, it doesn't it doesn't work when you just talk about we just have bigger guys, right? That's yeah. the problem, you know. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely the undersized thing. Like even even over the hill undersized Chris Paul is a better defender than Jordan Poole was this last year. A chair is better than Jordan Poole. Yes. <laughs> the, like, yeah, the, was the that other bad? thing on fit and like you're talking about like Chris Paul, his entire career has made a living on turning like decently or like athletic but not super skilled big men into like good lob threat sort of things like you know what i mean like that is where his game thrives is having deandre jordan and clint capella and deandre ayton there as a lob threat for him on those pick and roll situations and the warriors they have zero lob threat on their team like kevon looney can't touch the rim um you know what i mean uh how dare you gone i get (laughs) i i guess moody no no they don't so like it is such a weird fit uh for them and and we haven't talked about it on air we've talked about it a lot of other places but from a chemistry standpoint like they're all veterans they're all professional basketball players but Draymond already punched a teammate once like there is no team that this core group of the golden state warriors has ever hated as much as they hated the lob city clippers Right. They were the last team to eliminate them out of the playoffs before they went on their finals tear and started winning championships. They ran into them all the time in the playoffs. Then Chris Paul, you know, left and went to Houston and they ran into him all the times. We, we joked that they were chanting, you know, fuck Chris Paul as they went to the locker yep. room after winning in the Western Conference finals against the Rockets. They hate Chris Paul. Like Trayvon Green, <laughs> Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. They hate Chris Paul. And yeah, now that, he's in their locker room. The biggest pool that we need, by the way, is what are the odds that uh, Draymond and Chris Paul get in a fist fight at some point during this upcoming season? It's I, not yeah. zero. Zero. <laughs> it's definitely not zero. Yeah. yeah. I, I do wonder. We have talked about Chris Paul in the postseason and stuff. There is a possibility that they could trade him partway through the season. Yeah, they could. And he's an expiring. Um, That's why. Which, yeah. which, yeah, exactly. He he could be used to bring a different asset, or at the very least, he's an expiring contract and gets that money in the books uh, for the Warriors. So that is that is the biggest positive for him. We'll see what the trade market for him would be like. I don't, you know, I mean, maybe some team has an injury or just where he's a better fit. Desperately needs a point guard come deadline time. Uh, so that is an option. Yeah, the Clippers. Clippers could get desperate. Um, yeah, I, I just, I don't think, uh, I mean, the, the reason why I started when I, when I brought it up, the very first thing I said about it was it's a, a pool salary dump because that's the main important thing about this as we've discussed is they just had to get off that money. He was, I think he had four more years, right? He's got, he had an insane contract that was like top five worst in the league. You could argue it was even higher than that. You could have said like three. You could have even tried to make an argument for one, I think. Um, they yeah. just really need to get off of that. I don't think Chris Paul changes much about the destiny of the Warriors. I don't think it moves them really up up or down, in my opinion, on um, where they stand in terms of the hierarchy and pecking order because, as we said, Poole was so bad that it's not like they're really losing anything. Uh, and Chris Paul is going to be like a role guy, so I, I don't really see it moving the needle much for me, honestly. I think yeah, we you- are entering a new era of trades where oftentimes the trade is going to be more about the contract than it is about the player, uh, just with the new CBA and the way it works for these taxed out contenders. Um, and the, and this trade was very much that way. 
It was more yeah. about the contracts than it was about the people involved. Yeah, no, I, that, that's a very good point. Uh, I think the new CBA really forces the con- like, and I wonder. I think it's going to make the gap between the smart teams and the not so smart teams even wider in a way because like one screw up contract wise is real like it already in the in the past CBAs hamstrung you but now I think it's going to be even worse one like pool like contract where you give way too much money to the wrong guy mm-hmm. um yeah the, big problem yeah trade with CP3 is a really interesting idea that actually would make this whole thing make a lot more sense if we see come um the trade deadline he gets swapped for somebody they did it with D'Lo so and and other teams that are in a different part of their uh their cycle life cycle it makes a lot of sense to bring in a veteran to play 10 minutes a game and teach guys how to play basketball like i can totally see chris paul being great for that for a bunch of rookies right but for a team to shellen's point where it's clear that there is only one timeline for the warriors and if they really legitimately want to have a shot this coming season I would think that they kind of have to trade him by the trade le- deadline of this upcoming year because you got to get somebody that really is going to move the needle playoff time. And Chris Paul doesn't even play in the playoffs anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. On the, on the wizard side they're you know, they're taking the Oklahoma city strategy here or, and, and other teams have done it before that too, but the rule is a very talented offensive basketball player. Or at least shows flashes of it. There's, there's hope that you know you you got a couple assets back. The picks aren't going to be great. I know that the first round picks a twenty thirty pick that's top twenty protected. Um, yeah, let, let's uh, let's save some really deep talk wizard stuff because we they, we have another player that involves them. So oh, maybe, that's true. We do. Maybe we should we should save it until we talk about this other guy so that we can really go in on what they've been doing because they're working some stuff here. Because we'll they have are. to talk about. This deal in context with the other one here. Um, I do want to quickly say, uh, Dan, you got a player you hate, Kyrie Irving. Shellen, you got a player you hate, Chris Paul. So I guess that means I got to get cat. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, we're, he's having a team of likable people, Brad. I, I'm not okay with that. Oh, I think we got Grayson Allen. Allen. Right? Oh, there, we go. there we go. I was like, there has to be some asshole on your team. That's right, Grayson Allen. I mean, we got, uh, well, I don't know if they're going to have him anymore, but Trey Crowder, he's been annoying too, so. Um, he's going to retire. He's done. He's cooked. Yeah, he kind of probably is, but, uh, yeah, no, Bucks still have Grayson Allen, but. Uh, Can't stand Grayson Allen. Thank you for reminding me of that. I was like, you <laughs> all likable players. You honestly, but yeah, so- but the, the thing is, I don't, uh, I, I, Grayson Allen's just annoying, but I don't really hate him on him as much as, like. But I need to send you to change your opinion on that, Brad. (laughs) So we're all rolling into Con of the Rings with our Kyrie CP3 and Allen jerseys, right? (laughs) T-shirt. You would have to buy the jersey for me and send it to me, and even then, I probably would not wear it. (laughs) I hear you. I'm not spending my own hard-earned money on a Kyrie Irving Mavs jersey. No, (laughs) no, sir. No, sir. (laughs) Man. Um, but I, I did mention the other wizard guy. Let's just do him right away so that we can do the wizards talk here. Uh, and that is Bradley Beal going to the Suns, uh, for kind of not a great 
Paul, to be honest, but the reason is because he had a freaking no trade claw and he's got an awful contract. I said oh. Poole would be the worst, but it might have been Beal because Beal had no trade con or no trade clause. He probably was the worst, but um, I have some stats about him. But what do you guys think here? I think deal deal. The way that the trade was broke was pretty funny because none of the picks uh, were mentioned at first, and so we were all just like, wait. They really did just get just like a couple like like Landry Shamet and Chris Paul and that was it. <laughs> and like we knew the contract was bad. It it looks less bad now that we know there's six second rounders and four first round pick swaps involved. Uh but yeah, that they I trade your players early. I, I forget which GM it was that came out and said this. Yep. If you know you're going to trade, it's better to trade a player early than it is to trade them late, especially Danny, if you're a team that's not Danny, like actually going to be contending for a title. Sounds like a Danny Ainge kind of thing to it say. It really does. Don't give him a no trade clause. Yeah. How oh in the world? A no trade clause, super max contract with a 15% trade kicker. Like, oh my God. that is literally the contract that you offer LeBron James in 2K during free agency and hope <laughs> when he comes to your team in franchise mode. That, like, you don't give that to anybody else. Yeah. Um, yeah. Giannis, right? You give that you give that contract to Giannis. Like the, you don't you don't give that to anybody. No, especially on a Wizards team that's like a you know they they haven't really bottomed out ever. Uh, but they're basically like a fringe playoff team of, for the last forever. Oh, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean they they should have traded him before they gave him that supermax extension. Is is the real thing? They could have started this a lot more than. Yeah, just getting this haul now. It, I, I'm totally getting flashbacks to the Nets, and it's funny that I picked as one of my favorite things of the seasons. Watching that team implode is—I guarantee you—I'm calling it now. The same thing is going to happen with the Suns, and the reason why is they're taught their big three. I love how everyone loves to immediately call the three best players of these super teams the big three. Misses an average of like 25 to 30 games a season, right? Mm-hmm. There is. No way this team is healthy in a functional form. Like, assuming they even gel in the regular season, which I'll give them that. Let's say they gel. I think KD is kind of a chameleon. He can fit with anybody. Amazing player when healthy. That's an asterisk. Bradley Beal is a good player when healthy. That's an asterisk. You know, and Devin Booker is young and usually is healthy, but has random injuries. That's an asterisk. And it's like, if they're all gelling and working in the playoffs could they be a threat to denver maybe do i think all three of them are going to be healthy come playoff time this next season no i do not yeah um and i'm not really sure so this is this is kind of weird here i oh first of all i have uh go back to the the no trade thing i heard the list of players in the history of the league who got no trade clause and it was crazy that Bradley Beal got one when you heard the players that got it, and it was like, oh my god, these guys are like top twenty-five guys in the history of the league, <laughs> and Bra- and then Bradley Beal, it was nuts, it was hilarious. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, talk about-, about wizards as an organization, right there. <laughs> yeah, um, talk about Beal too. I- I'm just like I said, it's weird because there's like two sides to this. I don't know if he is the guy who's going to take them. Uh, to, to the promised land, you know, as Dan says, he misses about 30% of his games. And, I mean, his catch-and-shoot numbers uh, were a lot better with, with John Wall, and obviously he hasn't played with a, a good point guard for a while. But, basically, he shoots 35% from three, which is not that good. 
it's like, is this really the guy to do it? But at the same time, it's like, okay, as as I think Windhorse has pointed out, the, their thinking was, we're going to be over the second apron no matter what, so why not just completely throw it to the side and just go way over the second apron? We're screwed yeah. no matter what. If we're, if we're in, for, in for a penny, in for a pound, as they say. So that was kind of like their, their logic, which I understand, and it's like, so if we're talking about trading Chris Paul is getting... Br- I know they're doing Shamit too, but who cares about Shamit? Nobody ever likes him. That's why he gets traded a bajillion times. Uh, is Beal necessarily worse than getting a couple of role guys who probably wouldn't have been that good? I don't. I have no clue. I mean, I don't. I, the 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 thing is, as soon as they got KD, it was like, and they obliterated their team depth. They were always going to have that problem. So I don't really. I don't really know. I don't. I'm not a huge Beal fan. I don't think he's been in. He hasn't been in a high leverage game in forever. And no. I mean, we haven't, like I said, the money he's owed to is awful, but I mean, we could just talk about on the court stuff beyond the contract. I'm, I, he was, that was not the position of player that they needed, I don't think. So, I mean, they need a wing defender and he's known as a below average defender. So you got that going for you. Yeah, right. I don't, I don't, maybe they're going to trade Aiton. You know, maybe they'll just be like, we're going to roll in with Landell and... Um, you brought that up. Yeah, but... The giant question mark looming over this team is what do you do with him? He's obviously unhappy, but I don't know how you get, you know, good money back. Like, you, get, you know, you're probably trading him for 75 cents on the dollar is my guess. Yeah, I don't know. It, this is kind of like... Because of these, these apron rules and stuff like that, this is going to be the last chance to really do a lot of stuff and and they can still do it with him where they can get salaries aggregated to get uh right. guys back so maybe that's a strategy I, I you know we talked about the warriors and cp3 not really moving the needle to me and changing where they are i i feel the same with this Beal one i don't think this is a one that's like they're not better than nuggets that's the big problem Beal does not make them better than the nuggets they, they honestly, I think they would have been better off, uh, speaking of the Nuggets, doing an Aaron Gordon type trade and finding a glue guy that plays defense and doesn't need the ball to be effective. And Bradley Beal is a high, like, he's a good mid, mid-range shooter. He's high volume. He needs the ball in his hands to be effective. Why on earth on a team with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker would you go, I know what we're going to get, a guy who's high volume? Yeah. Right? Uh, and... Pay him fifty million dollars to be the third best guy in the team. My God! <laughs> and then you know, I mean, we're, as we're just, as we're recording the podcast tonight, we've got them linked to maybe Philadelphia for Tobias Harris package for oh. DeAndre Ayton. Wow! Um, which oh, okay, I, I, you know, I mean, who knows? These team beat reporters, some of them are really plugged in, and some of them aren't. But regardless of. If they keep Aiton or do some, I mean, that Tobias Harris trade would be a disaster. I don't know why in the world they would do that. Um, But yeah, they're going to be so thin, especially at the wing, um, and so bad defensively. We saw that they can beat very good teams because they have Booker and Durant. Like they, those two games that they won in Denver were because those guys both played outside of their minds. But you can't do that for four playoff rounds. You just can't. No, it's not is... going to happen. We, we watched Booker and Durant lead 
the NBA in minutes played in the postseason minutes per game. They were both averaging over 45 minutes per game to get to that point, and they're going to have to do it again. And they're going to have to do it all regular season long so they don't get stuck playing Denver or Sacramento in the first round. You know what I mean? Like, uh, it's, I agree with exactly what you were saying there, Brad. Like, blow through the apron. Beal is better than what they could have probably put out there based on what their roster was already. But this team seems like a just disaster waiting to happen to me. Uh, when we see these, you know, quote unquote, super teams get put together, you can often see the the positives much more clearly than you see the negatives. Like even with the Nets one, you were like, oh my goodness, like Harden and Durant and Harry, that sounds amazing. This one, I don't even have that. I just have just this sense of dread about it crumbling all around them, I think. And you know, all, just all of these players are, are older, too, is the thing. Right? Yes, that's true, except for Book, but yeah. Matters when you're talking about super teams. There's just there's durability issues, and your point about minutes is, I think, like hits it on the head. Is are you really going to be able to do an 82 game? Like, okay, sure, they load manage whatever you do. Some semblance of an 82 game season, you get into the playoffs, and what what team do you actually have in the playoffs as currently constructed? You have a pouting Aiton who who's mad at his teammates because they won't give him the ball. Yeah. Uh, yeah, now you got three guys that are volume shooters. That's the other yeah. tough part. Like we said, like when you talk about teams needing a facilitator on all these sorts of things, like all the other teams that have had multiple stars have worked because they're complementary. These guys work, if they work, it's because they're all just very good at putting the ball in the basket, but there is no playmaking. There's no off-ball movement. Like Durant, for all of the praise that we give him, starting with the Brooklyn days, or shoot, even with Golden State, like, he didn't really buy into the motion offense there, even. No. Like, no, he, yeah, is, there, he is the Kevin him. Durant offense. Yeah, yeah. Durant plays Durant ball, and he's better at it than anyone on the planet. Right, but, like, you can't just be trading ISO possessions between Beal and Durant and Booker. And nope. what, they got Vogel as their coach? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Vogel's not running some sophisticated offensive system. He's a defensive-minded coach. You know what I mean? Like, you know, maybe <laughs> yeah. the assistance that yeah. they got in there and these sorts of yeah, things are going to help. But that roster is is what I have to say about that, though. It, it reminds for for Vogel. It reminds me of being on that Lakers team again, where it's like, why did you? Why do you have Frank Vogel if you don't have a team that has a bunch of defensive guys on it? Yeah, he's not an offensive coach. So this is, I mean, that makes no sense. He's, of course, he's not. This is not going to work because I can't run the stuff that he wants to run. With the Chris Paul money, though, they should have gotten a wing that can defend. Yeah, and, and plays and does not have injury history. That's what they should have got. And Bradley Bradley Beal is not those things. He's a wing, but none of the rest of those things apply to him. Yeah, I mean, they're putting a lot of pressure on Booker to be point guard as well, and it's like they need him to run the offense and score. And because if they're going to pair him with Beal on the backcourt, it's like, now you got to defend, too. It's like, I know he's young, but they're putting a lot on his plate. I honestly think he's a shooting guard, and I'm not obsessed with positions. I get that in the modern NBA, everything's kind of mushy, but like he, to me, is a a prototypical shooting guard, and make him, Mm -hmm. honest to goodness, point guard, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, I mean, big picture for the Suns, I think 
they should have tried to build around Booker's timeline better. I know it's Kevin Durant, right? We always say it's Kevin Durant. You know, we what he's going to be like a top 10 player ever or whatever the hell we want to say. And it's so tempting to trade for him, but Booker's still so young. Why did I? I mean, I would have been so tempted to just be like, well, I guess the Aiton thing, the ship had kind of sailed on that, unfortunately. But I mean, to build your core around, if you could have, Aiton, Bridges, and Booker just makes more sense to me in terms of where those players are in their careers than KD and Beal. Yeah, yeah and it's just funny like, that that's the exact guy I'm saying they should trade for is the guy they gave up to get KD. Is like, I think yeah. that, um, you know, Bridges is, I, I think he's great. Um, I mean, he's overtasked. He, he's like Aaron Gordon was in Orlando now that he's on the Nets, but like, he's absolutely a player I would want on my team. Yeah, I just, I, uh, I guess, uh, in theory, they have to be like, just based on their star power, you have to be like, I guess they're the second best team in the West. But I mean, I don't think they're anywhere close to Denver. Yeah. You're right. On paper, they are, but I just, I, I don't buy it. I think it's all smoke, no fire. Yeah, I don't think. I think they're going to be in for rude awakening. It does have the reeking of a new owner who just wants to make some splashes and all this stuff and. I don't know. Just it's not just been convinced. So long since we've seen Bradley Beal playing meaningful basketball, too. Yes. You know, I mean, we're watching him put up thirty points per game and it, reasonably efficiently too. But he's doing it on a Wizards team that was bad. <laughs> you know, he he hasn't been on a relevant team since John Wall started to break down, and that's like seven years ago now. Mm-hmm. Six yeah. seven years ago of him playing losing basketball. Like I don't know how well does he translate to a team that is now, you know, got to think that they're in title or bust mode. Yeah. going to be I don't an know. interesting fit. Yeah. It's yeah. new, new owner syndrome. I think, I think Brad nailed it. Like he just wants to be flashy and he's willing to spend money and must be nice to have millions in luxury tax to be willing to spend. <laughs> right. I mean, what he traded for Durant on his first day on the job, right? Yeah. Well, he made the he made the call. Yeah, he went to side because they weren't going to trade. They didn't want to include. I forget which player it was. I think Bridges. I think was the one, and he called it up and got it done. And mm. I think that says a lot about what he thinks. I, uh, I really think they're going to look back on that trade. And this is not a diss on KD, but I really think they're going to look back on that on, on on that trade and regret it because I think the Bridges is legit. Yeah, I mean. And, point about timeline it's not that i'm saying kd isn't good he is but right. the time having kd be your arguably first or second best player next to booker versus having mikhail bridges be maybe your third best player next to devin booker is a very different timeline exactly i mean what is this like reasonably speaking what is the sun's title contention window at maximum <laughs> it's two years right two years yeah, yeah. At, being... at best possible case scenario so it's yep. you win a title next season or the season after or bust. And and bust is bad because they yeah, don't yeah, own any of their picks. Look at all the picks given out. Bust is awful. They're going to be really bad. Yeah. So it's worth it if you win the title. But that, there's a lot riding, especially on this next season, I think, for them. While Durant is losing a 
bit, but still looking Durantish for the most part. Um, boy, you got to capitalize. There's a lot of pressure on that team to win and win now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and it wasn't that long ago they had a nice young team that went to a finals, and they they basically completely reworked that roster, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, yeah, I think Booker and Aiton are the only two people left, right, from the finals run. Uh, I think I saw that they don't have anybody left on the team except for those two. Okay, I think that might that might that was Bianco. Who was their backup center? Behind Sarich. I can't remember who that guy was, but... Uh, Kaminsky. Oh, he was Frank the Tank, that's right. <laughs> I so was like, was some guy who doesn't matter who got minutes and I was laughing. At him. Yeah. Wow. This is, this is more talk about Suns than I, than I had hoped to do tonight, but um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fascinating, fascinating trade. Um, let's go to an actual another completed trade here. Uh, it was the Celtics the Wizards and the Memphis Grizzlies. So the Celtic. I'm just going to read the, the, the headliners here. There's more going on here, but uh, Celtics got Kristaps uh, Porzingis. The Washington Wizards got uh, Tyus Jones. And the Memphis Grizzlies got Marcus Smart, essentially to replace Dylan Brooks, who was, quote, <laughs> I think coming back under no circumstances or whatever they said. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, I think this is a, an interesting trade because I think everybody's going to walk away and be kind of happy. Agreed. Um, but I don't think anybody's like massively Im- necessarily improved a ton, but I think everybody's pretty happy with the shakeup here. I think uh, as far as uh, we'll talk about these other teams here, Washington, Getting Tyus Jones, uh, and some of the other stuff they got. I mean, they're in the they're in the rebuild, uh, and he's a nice player. And he didn't want to be on Memphis anymore because he wanted more PT. Uh, if you're Boston, Porzingis gives you another stretch big to play. Either they're they're weird. I mean, they can get rid of Grant Williams now. They don't need they don't need four centers on the team. That's yep. one thing. But they can now play Porzingis. Williams, Porzingis, Horford, or Horford Williams, you know, and um, Memphis got to be really happy to get Marcus Smart because they needed defense, they needed uh, mental toughness, some veteran presence, and as a uh, worldwide Wob said, he is the player Dylan Brooks thought he was. So, um, any thoughts on this trade overall for any of these three teams? It's interesting. I'll give it that. Um, I, I watched a bit of Porzingis in person when he was on the Mavs, and he's one of those guys that's very tantalizing because he has moments where he you're like, oh, you see why KD called him a unicorn way back when, you know, to be that size and be able to shoot. And, um, you know, the skills that he has, but health is an issue, and then also just, like, giving a shit, I guess, is an issue because sometimes... <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, I don't know. He obviously like could tell that he needed to actually give a shit on this last year on the Wizards because he was actually trying. He looked pretty good, but mm-hmm. I, I, the Celtics are a weird, weird team to me. They must have other moves. I can't imagine that this is what they're gonna. I mean, we they basically almost traded Malcolm Brogdon, and they basically had it like the goal line, and then 
everybody it broke down so it's like how do you bring him back type of thing right so i feel like they have to move brogdon because i don't know how you could just be like Malcolm brogdon i know we basically traded you and it was almost complete welcome back to the team i hope you enjoy it he's too big of a part of the team i know that the bucks did that with uh divincenzo and that botched uh bogdanovich trade right before their title season but then guess what they got rid of Dante DiVincenzo after the title rush. So it's like, uh, I just don't see how you could really bring Brogdon back. And they, uh, Derek White's going to be your starting point guard for the whole season now, I guess. Uh, right. I feel like they're excited they, about that. Well, 538, they, uh, basically they all the models are sports cool. stuff. <laughs> yeah. So they're, they're, nice we're not going to know if they're happy about it anymore. <laughs> it's like, yes. Um, the, what um, Jalen Brown dribbled with his left hand. I guess I I, I don't know. Celtics are an enigma to me. Yeah, I I do feel like they needed a shakeup. I in the other some of the other chats we had, I was saying when they were down three zero, I was like they need a massive like they just need some. Re- this core has been around for so long together. I think it just kind of become stagnant for them. I mean. Yeah. Where they they say like five conference finals for the past seventy years, and they've went to one finals. They just can't get across the hump, and they just kind of needed well, a refresh. Good, but it remains to be seen if they will ever be great. Um, right. I, I will say this about Memphis: I think there's a chance if Stephen Adams comes back healthy that with, and obviously we know Jaw is going to be out, and we'll get to that later. But I think there's a chance that Memphis could be like just ridiculously the best defensive team for the first twenty five games of the season. Like absurdly so, because on paper, right? It's like you've got Smart, who's you know he's not, uh, uh, sorry, defensive player of the year caliber anymore, but he's still very good. And then you've got the reigning defensive player of the year, and you got Stephen Adams, and you got just a bunch of dudes on that team that can defend. That really seriously, with that coach, could be a ridiculously good defensive team this year. Yeah, I agree. And I love Brad's joke uh, when it first happened because I said, you know, he's not going to shoot them out of games like Brooks. And he's like, yes, he's still going to shoot too much, but he's not going to shoot way too much. Um, <laughs> yeah, which, yep. which is correct for smart, I think. So uh, I think I'm in agreement with you. That fit there just feels right. He feels like a Grizzlies player, even though he's been on the Celtics forever. Oh, um, yeah. He's totally grit and grind. He, he's actually the same age as when they picked up Tony, Tony Allen. So. Oh, really? Yeah, there you go. That's a good comp right there too. Honestly, yeah. Interesting. Couple quick things on my end. The the pick that the Wizards got because they, they you know the big thing for them is Porzingis could have left for nothing. So to oh, be yeah. able to get Tyus Jones mm-hmm. and a pick out of it is great. They traded that pick as part of the package to move up to seven to draft the wall, uh, as we mm-hmm. talked about. So that. That, that paid dividends for them right away, having that second-round pick to help them move up in the draft to get the guy that they wanted. And then Porzingis, you know, he's a good rim protector. I'm not sure on the team defense side of things uh, how smooth that transition will be. I, I can't imagine it'll be terrible, but he, he was the second most efficient post-up player in the NBA last season behind Jokic. Um so I guess, you know, part of Boston's issue was, like, can we just get an easy basket that doesn't involve, like you were saying, Jalen Brown dribbling with his left hand <laughs> or, or Tatum I swing up? Like, I, this doesn't help them with their core problem 
In fact, it hurts them because Smart was their best passer. We joked, you know, it might be hyperbole, but they, they might be the worst passing team in NBA history. Um, that's not true, but they're they're bad uh, in terms of lacking offensive playmakers except for isolation. To your point, Porzingis is he has skills, but passing is not one of them. No, so but he does give them the option. You know, he's going to hit some threes. He shoots well for a big guy, but then like it's nice to have an outlet for an easy basket sometimes where your other guys don't to be able to just stick it to him in the post. And you know, there are not many players in the league. In fact, just one last year that were more efficient scoring there than he was. So that's something that they did not have at all with Williams and Horford and other Williams. Um, Maybe that'll help, but I think the lack of playmaking on Smart's going to be hurting. Because I like Derek White, uh, but he's not helping take pressure off the Jays on offense there. No. This was kind of a team I wanted Chris Paul to go, well, wanted, quote in quotation marks, would be. I thought he was a good fit for the Celtics because they needed a guy who could, like, run an offense in the crunch time. And it's like, wow, who could do that? Chris Paul seems like a great one. would have been kind of nice yeah. for them. That's a good take because Robert Williams is a perfect target for him to your earlier comment about lob threats. Like he, Chris Paul's effectiveness is so much better. And it's one of the reasons why Chris, Chris Paul wasn't as good on the Suns is when he's throwing lobs to Eaton and Eaton's doing layups. It's a very different <laughs> thing. Like to Robert Williams and he's dunking over the entire state of, you know, Florida or whatever. Yeah. I do think one thing that's smart for them too is, uh, they have not extended Porzingis yet, and I don't think that they will. So that would be a big concern if they extended him without ever having seen a play. I do not so think it, they do that because I, I like I totally hear what Sheldon said about last season. I, I do think to me it was a contract year, and and Porzingis was like mm-hmm. motivated and locked in. But I just yeah. I watched enough of him play. He is not a consistent player. I I would not trust him with big money over a long term contract. He's got injury history too, so it's not just yeah. like a. A guy Lower who were body like, injury history yeah. on a seven foot three guy is scary as they start aging. You know, you just never yeah. know. Yeah. So I, I think for them, they probably, and I think it's smart that they want to see what he looks like for a year. And if, if he fits and he looks great and he's healthy, then maybe give him the extension, but you can't give it to him before you ever see him play for your team. So, um, yeah, I don't know if there's anything else to say for these three teams. Pretty nice trade for everybody involved. I think, like I said, everybody's going to be happy and it's kind of, mix things up in an interesting way. Uh, let's quickly talk about the Wizards before we do our last two players here who have not been traded. So it's funny because the Wizards have kind of not got anything great. If you were to just like look top down, you'd be like, wow, they're not really getting a whole lot here. But I think they're doing a pretty good job considering that the last <laughs> uh, front office group let them a heaping pile of trash. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like if you can turn trash into like a trash sandwich that's edible, it's like, hey, Massive improvement. So I, I have to, I have to give them a little bit of credit for. They just don't have a lot to work with. So as we said with the Porzingis thing, is like, guess what? He could have just walked. They got assets for it. Uh, you know, Tyus Jones is a nice player. Uh, Bradley Beal, they finally got rid of his contract. I know they didn't get a great return. You know, those pick swaps and Washington's probably going to be worse than Phoenix. Let's be honest. Even if Phoenix kind of implodes washington not have a tracker to be good so like uh um at least they, they got stuff you know it's like i think they've done a pretty good job of trying to start hitting 
well, they have hit the reset button, but they got it. They had to do something, and they finally have done it. So, um, even if what they've gotten has not been stellar in every case, I'm glad that they finally did it. Of course, you have to bring up the fact that why did you start tanking the year after Wemby was available? <laughs> you idiots! <laughs> There's no, I mean, no way to I'm not bring that up. Bit awkward there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I kind of blew it a little bit, but hey, uh. At least they at least they figured it out at some point. Um, so credit to them. Let's move to our two players who are not been traded, but have been in some rumors. One, really quickly, I'll just ask you guys, because there's really not a lot to talk about because we don't really know anything about it. So Zion has been coming up in uh, some discussions here. I'm just curious about, like, what do you guys think? If you were... The Pelicans, would you be interested in trading him? And if you own another team, would you be interested in acquiring him? Obviously, if we have I, no idea what the pack would be. But. If I was the Pelicans, it would really depend on what I'm getting back. Because I personally, I like Ingram. I think he's a good player. I think their team is interesting. I understand Zion is a transcendent talent when healthy, but like he's another one of those, you put a giant asterisk over any basketball discussions which, when it comes to Zion, I'm going to stick to that. I'm not interested in all the off-the-court off stuff. But uh, <laughs> he has to play to be transcendently talented, right? And that's a huge issue at this point. Yeah. He's been in the league too many years to just, like, hand wave away. Oh, by the way, he's amazing when he plays. He's unguardable. But he doesn't play all the He plays, what, like, less than half the games that he could have played in at this point in his career? Yeah, he's not even played like a season and a half of total games, I think. Yeah, it's it's not good, right? So yeah, I would absolutely be open to trading him depending on what I got back. And even understanding you're not going to get uh, you know, a dollar for dollar trade there, like I would rather have a guy that is 65% of Zion Williamson that plays 75 games a year and is available in the playoffs than the theoretical amazing transcendent unguardable talent that is Zion Williamson. Who doesn't play? Yeah, Shall I agree. Um, I, I think I said it a little bit earlier. It's better to trade your players early than it is to trade them late. Um, I just... It's just not going to come together for him. I don't think, it's, at least in New Orleans, I would move off if you can get anything for him and build around Ingram and... Herb Jones and Grand Theft Alvarado and stuff like the tough thing is that when he was healthy, you know, they were one of the best teams. Number one. Yep. Yeah. So like that is tantalizing, but I just can't, I just don't think it's going to come together. I'd be afraid if I was the front office there, I'd be doing whatever I could to get him to some team desperate for a star like New York or something like that. And Yeah. Um, as far as if I were the Pelicans, would I trade them? I would do yes. Uh, and I think they've kind of signaled that they're a little bit open to it because they got rid of Teresa Weatherspoon, his favored uh, trainer and coaching uh, uh, member. Mm. But also what has been reiterated and reported in the past, there is no relationship between Zion Williamson in the front office and the organization, and there's no relationship between Zion Williamson and his teammates. Yeah. Like, it, it, there's not even, like... A thing where it's like, oh, we're all really connected, you know, uh, stuff. It's like, he doesn't even like like the guys he plays with, and the guys who play with him don't like him either. So it's like, uh, for that reason, that's beyond the uh, 
the injury stuff, which I totally agree with, such a huge risk is if I were the Pelicans, I would be like, this guy gives zero craps about anybody here, so he's ne- he's never going to work hard enough to come back because he has no invested value in us or the people around him, um, except for uh, two or three other people, you could say. Um, online he's got a lot of value invested in him but uh yeah i would i would i would move off of him and if i were another team hell yeah i'd be interested in acquiring him because i would you, as we've said your top 10 talent in the league uh you know i i think you would if you were another team you'd be like oh we can you know we can fix this we can get him in you know you would sell yourself on it so easily on the like we can our culture can get him going and you know, especially if you mentioned the Knicks and he said he didn't want to play with the, for the Knicks before and stuff like that. And I think it would be so easy to talk yourself into it. And as Shellen brought up, until they got hurt, they were the number one team. And that was like, wasn't that like January or February? I think like it was January. Yeah. So pretty long, pretty far into the season, they were like the best team in the league when he was healthy. So like, I think you could talk yourself into it if you were another team, especially if you were. Um, had a bunch of assets available. You know, if you were like, we're really tapped out, we really have to, Zion really has to hit for us, or we're cooked to be a little bit tougher, you know, but I could definitely see someone talk themselves into it. Uh, I, I think a player nobody would have to talk themselves into, it's so obvious, is Dame. Uh, so, the big thing with this one is, he is... He's really kind of putting it, putting it out there. He said he has publicly said he does not want to be part of a have a whole bunch of young players on the team. And guess what? They picked Scoot, a guy who plays his position as another undersized guard to add to him. Sharp Simon's great, awesome. Uh, can run with the smallest team in the league. And they did take Murray, who's a little bit older, but uh, and then uh, I think are they the team that took uh, Rayon Ruper? I think as well. Um, but it really seems like they're sort of playing a game with chicken with him, where they're going to be like, this is going to be our team, Dame. Well, we'll resign Jeremy Grant, but we're, we were unable to find a veteran player to get for you because, like, I know they wanted the Nets trade them bridges, but they, they thought, that's stupid. The Nets never trade bridges for whatever. Simon's in the third pick. Like, no. Uh, I mean, what do you guys think is going to happen here with Dame? Their their draft decisions to me totally signal fence setting, where like they don't want to make a decision. I feel like because the, yeah. I mean, in Grunwald it was the it was the later pick, but like getting the older guys, like that's the route you would go if you're genuinely trying to build a better team around Dame. And in, in addition to selling, or uh, sorry, not selling, trading some of your players to get uh, somebody that's a good fit. But yeah, I just. I don't. You can't. I mean, are Scoot Henderson and Dane be two of the best players on your team? That makes no sense. No, I love Scoot. I'm very excited for Scoot. Scoot is, I think, years away from being a piece on a contender. I mean, are the Blazers a top six team in the Western Conference right now? No, no, they're not. They're not. If this is the team that they play the full season with. We have another season of Damian Lillard 
having some nagging injury in March and sitting out the last two months of the season so that they can tank for another pick. Um, I I wish that they had done something, anything. You know, I said, I think, in our in-season podcast that they should be trading away the pick <laughs> and, uh, or sorry, trading away Damon, building around the third pick. Um, I hope that that comes to pass, if not this summer, then for the deadline, something. Uh, Dame has been too vocal about loyalty to come out and demand a trade, and I think that the ownership group rightly doesn't want to be the ownership group that trades Damian Lillard. Uh, but he needs a change of scenery, and Portland has to, like yeah, Dan said it perfectly, sitting on the fence. Like They are hurting their future by being stuck in this limbo mode of pretending to try to contend around Dame and not just blowing it up. You just need to blow it up if you're Portland. It's over. You tried. Dame stuck it out with you longer than any modern superstar has ever, you know, like since Garnett basically was the last one that stuck around this long with a loser franchise. Yep. You tried, you did everything you could start trying to rebuild around Scoot and Simons and Sharp um, and Dame. Hopefully he lands somewhere where he can be fun and make an impact in the playoffs. I don't know, Sean. You're talking about building two timelines though. I don't know. It seems like a good idea. I like that. Tell me on it. Very wise. Light years ahead, I think. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Go ahead, Dan. Comparison to KG, though, because, like, once, you know, once it was clear that he was never going to win on Minnesota, I wanted him to win just for his sake, like, for for his loyalty. And I feel the same way about Dane. Like, he's a good player. He's a good guy. It doesn't diminish his loyalty whatsoever because he did everything he could for that team. And they have just failed to build a contender around him. That is not on him. And I think that he deserves to go somewhere else. And that shouldn't reflect on, on him if he gets traded because he's like, you saw how he had a good season last, this last year. He deserves to be on a team where that actually matters. Yeah, it does. It's really what it comes down to. And so many teams, like Lillard's issue his whole career was that he was not on a team that had good roster construction for what he was. He was yep. willing teams that did not have great talent and weren't built around his skill set to the playoffs and winning playoff series with them. Yep. If he could find himself in a situation like Miami, the rest of the team is tailored around his shot making and is tailored to, you know, help back up his weaknesses. It would be a very unique situation for him to be in. Yeah. It would extend his prime too, because you would not need to play him as many minutes as he plays on Portland and for a team like Miami to be effective with him on the floor. Yeah, I I do think Portland kind of blew it a couple times with some of the the roster building stuff. Um, obviously, like the Zach Collins thing, nothing they can do about that guy couldn't stay healthy. But they stuck with CJ too long in that backcourt, and they made some like on the fringe moves that really didn't work. I think Trent Junior for former Powell bad one because they they let Hart go, and I remember yeah, Hart was the other one I was going to bring up. Yeah. Hart's a good pickup. I like him. They let him go to New York, and he looks amazing in the playoffs. And you're like, what are you guys doing? Yeah, yeah, he's exactly the player they needed, yeah. So, like, they have done some... They have made some subpar decisions around him overall during his time frame, too. So it's like, that's been the other problem is they haven't maximized and made the correct decisions to make the best teams in Portland. And um, 
that sort of them a lot too. So, uh, you know, uh, we'll talk about teams that you can go to here. One thing I do think that's important to keep in mind is it doesn't matter if Dame says, I want to go to the Heat or the Nets. If some other team comes by with an offer that yep. is really great because he doesn't have a no trade clause, like our, our friend Bradley Beal, who also, we didn't bring this up, he kept his no trade clause despite getting traded, uh, which, is, uh, oh, which is really important because, as Dan has said, if that does not work, the Suns cannot trade him again and just get rid of off his money. They're stuck with it because he ain't going to say, yeah, go ahead, trade me. <laughs> like, I got to do that. So uh, that is something to keep in mind with Dame. They don't have they I think they would send him to uh, his preferred destination, considering, as we've mentioned, his loyalty to the team. I don't think they'd be like, guess what, Dame? Enjoy San Antonio. Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> Detroit. Yeah. Have fun in Houston. Yeah, they're not going to do that to him. That would be uh, that would be such a stink on, on, on their team in their front uh, front office that you you would never get another free agent there again or anybody ever sign with you uh, if you treated them that way. But that it, if, if a team that was came with a offer that was so much better, they could do it, you know, but yeah. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's a likely his two teams. He's, he's name checked that he'd like to go to the nets or the heat. Uh, unfortunately, the nets, I don't think they really have the assets to give back. Yeah, they have no picks. I mean, yeah, they have to send to the, the the Phoenix picks basically. Need picks because you're clearly doing some kind of a rebuild and lineup with Scoot Henderson, and that just doesn't make sense with the Nets. Yeah, and obviously, as we mentioned, Bridges is not. This is a non-starter, and it doesn't make sense because it's like if we if if you were Dame and you were like, get me to the Nets, and they were and the Portland was like, send us Bridges. Well, the, 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 why are you going to the Nets? The whole point was to play with Bridges, right? So that's that's stupid. It makes no sense. Um, I guess you could try to send some of the guys like uh, Cam Thomas uh, over, but I mean that doesn't really make. I, I don't think I don't think that just makes so much sense to me in terms of the the trade stuff. The Heat is the one that I think we have mentioned a bunch of times. I think is the interesting one. I think if they could get that done and have Bam. You know, it's so funny. We heard that they they were they were discussing Bam for the three pick. Yeah, okay, nice try. That's never happening. Uh, but Bam, Jimmy, Dame would be actually a really interesting uh, trio yep. to have in Miami. I think that's a team that actually, in the previous episode, we talked about it a little bit too, and what they could use to get over the hump. And I think Dame would be a player that could get them over the hump. I. They have a lot of assets still, too, so. I mean, when you talk about roster construction, those three is your three best players is a perfect fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Dame could play off the ball a little bit. He yeah. did with CJ at times, and so we know he can shoot. You know, uh, it, it helps their spacing, too, because for some reason, Jimmy can hit big threes in the postseason, it seems like, but he can't hit them in the regular season, so... Uh, Games that helps Jimmy that. So. Jimmy mode. Um, he flips the switch whenever whenever the playoffs come. He, he enables playoff Jimmy mode. That's true. Yeah. Yep. It's like a robot. Um, so, I think uh, if he were to get traded, that would be the team you'd really have to think about. I don't know what you would get back again. Miami, at least they have like all their picks, so that's good news. Um, 
Probably like Tyler Euro or something. I, I who knows? It's yeah, Euro. I don't know. Euro doesn't really do it for me, but I guess he would probably have to go in the deal. So um, make but, money work at least. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not too excited by him, but do we think he's going to get traded uh, this season? This is exactly why I think it's unlikely that he does is it's just hard to make like with the new CBA coming and the size of his contract and the teams that you would want, like you're not going to want to send him to some crap team that's rebuilding. Obviously you might as well just stick him on Portland. If you're going to, you know, leave him on Portland, if you're going to do that, mm-hmm. so the options are slim. I think it's probably unlikely he gets traded. I think Portland's going to be hovering at or below 500. And I think they will trade him. Yeah, the question of like which, which team they find that is a good fit because because I do agree that they're going to honor like they respect him and they're not going to send him to a team where it's a worse situation than where he's coming from. But like that's a finite list, right? Yes, very small list. Yeah, there's awesome. not a ton of spots. Yeah, it's not the a ton next... of. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I said there's not a ton of contenders who have assets and the cap space to take them. So, yeah, yeah. Like the, the whole the, the Nets problem is, I think, carries over to so many other teams in the league. Where if you're trading the guy that you would obviously trade for Dame Lillard, that guy's no longer on your team. Dame Lillard is landing on a team that is crippled. Like, what is the point of doing that? Yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, so. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Uh, that's what makes it so strange that we've seen so many recently because it's not the way it used to be, you know? So it's surprising. Um, let's move on to our last couple of things here. Anybody interested in any of the coaching hires? I, we kind of discussed the Vogel one. I wanted, was, wanted to bring that up. That was a weird choice of the roster fit. Uh, I do think Nick Nurse to Philly is kind of interesting. Because he's a guy who is known to like trust so few guys and run his guys into the ground, partly because of the the roster construction in Toronto as well. But uh, how is that going to work with guys like Embiid and Harden? Uh, it seems like kind of reverse now. The firing of Doc is starting to be on Philly at the start of this next season. I guess is yeah, the medicals ask. Yes, ba- based on what everybody's saying, is that um, the firing of Doc has kind of paved the way for hard to be back to Philly. And that seems to be mm-hmm. the way things are, are leaning uh, now. So I don't know, though. Nurse with those guys. Nurse is a doc. The fate of that team really rests on, like, what version of Embiid shows up, honestly. Yeah. yeah. That's what makes me nervous about Nurse, though, is he loves to play his guys so much, and Embiid is, always gets so tired and gets injured so much, and I'm like, oh, boy. Uh, I I think that roster has fundamental flaws in terms of the way it's constructed, but we don't. Yeah, it's a rabbit hole. We don't need to go down. I I think Nurse is fine as a coach. I just don't know that that's like really going to move the needle for that team necessarily. Yeah, I'm just not convinced on the fit really. But yeah, that's uh, kind of my thought on all the coaching hires this off season. Like a lot of the changeups needed to happen, but I don't think any of the new guys are really moving the needle for me all that much like getting bud out of milwaukee's 
good because that had clearly run its course. But like, is a coaching change going to get them back into the finals? I don't know. I mean, like, it's not. They need magic. to be healthy. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I was gonna say like a, a new coach does not get to wave a magic wand and make Giannis not be injured against the, in the first two games against Miami, right? Like, yeah, that's not how that works. Yeah, you know. the other noteworthy one is uh, Monty. They just loaded the dump truck on him and just poured the money all over him because uh, he didn't want to coach there, and they just paid him so much. So it was kind of interesting to think about, like, oh, is this going to reset the the market for how much coaches get paid? But the answer was no, and we saw some of the other deals coming through. <laughs> right. <laughs> it was just so- clearly that he didn't want to coach the team, but they wanted him so badly that they were like, we'll give you more money than you could possibly imagine to coach our team. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, but... Yeah, coaching salary really doesn't matter in the NBA at all. So no, good for him, doesn't. I guess. <laughs> yep. Keep getting uh, check. Yeah, yeah. Congrats on the on the money, Monty. That's it. I, I am happy he's getting the money because it's like if uh, coaches or players don't get the money, the owner has the money, and I'd rather see it with the people who are making the entertainment product entertaining. So, um, but. We'll do our last person here. Oh, my God. Talk about entertaining here. Uh, the last news item is this John Moran suspension. He got suspended. Uh, it's kind of weird. So technically, he got suspended minimum 25 games because he also has to do this weird uh, check-in. Thing. I don't know how to describe it. He has to meet these benchmarks or whatever. And this is what the, the these, uh, PA is kind of mad about this, and they don't like it because it's a little too nebulous, and they don't understand quite what it means for the suspension to be over once the 25 games hit and the league says it's okay. Um, 25 games based on like other suspensions seems kind of fits in where the other ones go. Um, But what do you guys think about this one here? I'm going to make an impassioned argument that 25 games is not nearly enough hear me out here and this is like usually the talking head stuff because i listen to a lot of basketball podcasts and look at you know watch videos on youtube etc etc but usually i can just roll my eyes at some of the dumb stuff and like all these guys are paid to make hot takes so whatever some of them are going to be ridiculous but some of the things that i've been hearing about this specific issue of like oh 25 games where people are like oh it's way too many i just could not disagree with that more and i will tell you guys why Memphis is consistently competing with cities like Baltimore for being one of the most dangerous cities in America. Every year, like, gun fatality is just excessive. And, I mean, America already has excessive gun fatalities. We'll set that aside. But Memphis is a very dangerous city. 90% of the fatalities in Memphis are black people. And of those, there's a way too large of a chunk that is youth, right? So... Ja having the most popular sneaker, Ja being one of the new ascendant stars the NBA is marketing is like the guy, right? Has a ton of followers on social media. Kids worship him. You know, he's the guy that can dunk over everyone. He's flashy. Like, I totally get it, right? But he's one of those face of the league kind of guys. For him doing this and then saying, okay, I've learned my lesson. Sure, I'll give, I'll give anyone a pass on making a dumb mistake. He's young, right? He's obviously immature. But then doing it, you know, two months later, the exact same thing. I honestly think he should have been 
he should have been suspended the entire year. And I know that that seems excessive to some people, but like he is, has real influence on kids in a city that is dangerous. And he is setting the worst example for kids to look up to. Well, I think on a moral standpoint, I think you have a point. I think in far, as far as like actual breaking it down, that's kind of a ridiculous statement. Kyrie Irving said anti-Semitic stuff and, uh, well, you should have been kicked out of league for that, if that's what you want to say. Like, uh, if, if it means that Mavs can get off his contract, I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> okay, I support this. I now I have now flipped over to your team. <laughs> um, no, I mean, like, I like I said, from a moral standpoint, I understand what you're saying. From a uh, nuts and bolts, uh, Gilbert Arenas didn't get a full season suspension because it happened during the season, and he had a gun on, and the, he had a gun on team property and that's why it was so bad like Ja didn't break any laws he didn't have it on they couldn't prove he had an empty facility so um when you break it down and you look at the other suspensions people have gotten uh it, it 25 games is about where it fits in um and like i said it could be technically minimum but we don't know maybe he won't hit the whatever bench the random benchmarks adam silver made up maybe he'll get 30 because of it but um as far as comparing to the other ones, if you just look at the history of the league of long suspensions, it fits, you know. Um, I will say that the reason why I think I think 25 is correct. Uh, one, my, my funny joke was I thought he should have been suspended for one game. Uh, so it was he had to play 66 games to be eligible. <laughs> so he can miss one game to be eligible for uh, awards. But like... Um, if you compare what he did to like Miles Bridges, right? Uh, what Miles Bridges did was way worse, and Ja got a bigger suspension. So, um, I, I'm yeah, I definitely am. When we do the comparison thing, I don't think it's okay that Miles Bridges got as right. much as he did. That's I, I insane. That was crazy. Morality like, league at all. You have to seriously come down on heart and stuff like that hard. I just, but I mean, now we're getting into a general issue that I have with sports in America, which is these sports stars, especially if they're good enough at playing whatever game they're playing, they get away with just yes. about literal murder. Oh, yeah. That, I know. That, it's crazy. That was going to be kind of my point because I, I think I fall basically in the same thoughts you guys are saying here that it is just a, a pop culture and sports in particular big problem with that you know we see it in the nfl with players like tyreek hill we see it here miles bridges mm-hmm. is definitely going to get re-signed by the charlotte hornets who also have james Booknight on their roster who you know was found passed out with a gun <laughs> and on brandon miller left and they just drafted brandon miller who who knows exactly what happened but definitely delivered a firearm and used to kill somebody to a teammate at two in the morning um like there is a big problem with gun culture in our country there's a big problem with athletes and famous people getting preferential treatment uh, and having it wiped away, uh, you know, in the public eye, you know, I guarantee that if Miles Bridges plays good basketball by January, most Charlotte fans aren't going to care what he did. Yeah. In, in it. But I agree that when you look at other suspensions that Silver has handed out, that does feel like the max they could have gone because you know the, the players' association could have pushed back um, if if it was too big. I I I personally agree with Dan. I wish it had been longer. 
it seemed like it should have been longer, especially with, and the big piece for me was the, the fake mental health yeah. retreat in Florida. Like mental health is such an issue in this country that a player using it as a fake excuse. And, and who knows, maybe John Morant does have mental health issues, but he very clearly knew that those were the words that he could say to get empathy from people to try to get out of the issue the first time around. You know, like I'm going yeah. through some stuff. I'm going to go to this retreat place in Florida for what turned out to be a weekend. And it's um, and then have my family show up wearing redemption t-shirts in my right. first game back. Yeah, it was ridiculous. There's it like was the, ridiculous. Yeah. And Kevin Love, who have had heartfelt, genuine yeah. conversations with the media about what it's like to, uh, you know, to s- struggle with mental health issues as an NBA player. And the, the stress level has got to be just like it's one of those things that we as random jackasses that talk about basketball are never going to understand the pressure right. he's got under mm-hmm. but me that's what makes what he did worse right is he is completely weaseling around all this stuff now i i, I this is I, I i i like the back and forth on this i like that we we don't agree honestly uh brad but um and and i i agree that tactically it makes sense why it was the number that it was but and the honestly the players union even if it was one game is going to push back and say oh we're fighting back against mm-hmm. that because that's what the players union's job is right but the one thing that i will say makes this different than all the other counter examples that pr- people bring up in terms of length is he is recording himself and broadcasting it to the internet and i don't care if there's only a hundred people watching on instagram live these things get out there and they can obviously then go viral and you have no way of knowing how many people are seeing it, but it is very different when someone in their own private life does something that morally I disagree with. Right. And there's been a a lot of people bring up the examples of like different people that had drug uh, issues in the NBA where it's like, Oh, so-and-so in private did yada, yada drug and they got eight games or six games or whatever it was. Well, here's the thing. They weren't on Instagram live doing drugs. Right. So to me, you can make a business argument that like if the league is trying to have a certain image, and I definitely don't think the league wants the the kind of image that uh, Ja is putting out there on Instagram Live to be <laughs> represent them, right? Him broadcasting that twice after the first time, having it be very clear with like losing first team all the NBA, losing some of his sponsorships like losing these endorsements, costing himself millions of dollars, and then he does it again. And he's broadcasting this. It is not the same as what someone does in private that is a violation of morality clauses in the league versus like showing the world, hey, this is me, right? To me, those are two like separate things. Yeah, I mean, the thing for me that uh, I think the mistake was probably made in the first instance. Uh, the, the The weird like, what he gave him like eight games with six served or whatever. He should have just given them like should have just spent him for the rest of the season, and, you know. But um, you know the thing for Jod too is he's he does have to change his crew because like this is the second time Deepak has gotten him to big trouble. That was the guy who had the laser pointer, and that was the guy who had the Instagram live on the second time. And it's like at a certain point, Jod's got to make better decisions on who his friends are too. Cause it's like, that's the thing too. That drives me nuts is like, this guy has gotten you trouble before big time with the laser pointer thing, you know? And then it's like, and then he just let him do it again. It's like, what are you doing, man? I just, 
he's not a good decision maker, obvious, obviously. That was one of the reasons of getting Marcus Smart, you know, was to hopefully get a guy who will, like, get in his grill and hopefully teach him how to be more responsible. But, yeah, I mean, personally, I... I really thought they were going to, at first, I thought they were going to have a big one because of the, well, that weird, like, thing where Adam said, like, we just had more evidence or whatever, or whatever. I thought so, like, I was like, oh, shit. They really found something out here. But obviously they didn't. Um, but. I mean. I mean and, it's the second offense in two months, too, thing is like, oh, my well, God. And, man, that's, uh, that's, a th- that's the other frustrating thing is it's like, what are you doing, Shaw? How can you do it so what, soon? What, after if, what if the laser pointed at Indiana was a gun sight and not just right, a laser? Exactly. Like, that's not a joke at all. And, like, you want to talk about malice in the palace being, like, casting a pall on the league. Like, that's, this is a whole nother level. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting to chew on him. I, I, I really, really hope that he just grows the hell up and realizes that he's, he's way too talented. Exactly. To waste that potential on just idiocy. Yeah. Totally. I, I hope that he, the 25 game suspension and whatever he's got to do that the league sets up for him and makes him do like, I hope it's the come to Jesus moment for him because it's like if it, if this isn't it, then I, I, what Tim McMahon called the shoe the 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 one in, the jaw one and done. And I mean, like if he does it again, I can't see him being in the league anymore. You know, because he's bad for business. And uh, you know, I hate to say that's the reason why he would be out of it, but it's true. Um, it's a business, and he's bad for business. And um, I just hope he gets his stuff figured out because. He's a fun player and it's awesome and he's exciting to watch. But he's if he's not gonna in a city that doesn't have a lot of basketball success, yeah, exciting. Yeah, but... should be marketable. Yeah, from a, it, from a basketball good. standpoint, I really like Memphis as a team, but they have a lot of other stuff that is non-basketball that's mm-hmm. sadly relevant right now. Yeah, so I just hope that he gets it figured out. I hope that this is. And like I said, he's got to tighten up the crew, you know, um, just. Right. And, you know, I don't know. There, there is hope. Like he is young enough, at least mm-hmm. like a lot of times when I see athletes suspended for certain things, there isn't much hope for me that they're going to come out of it a better person. It, it just seems like a punishment. You know what I mean? Like you were, you did something bad, go to timeout, you come back and, not much has changed a lot of time. I don't know. For for a lot of reasons, I hope that's not the case here. You know, and hopefully it's not just when he's getting smarter about what he takes pictures and videos of. <laughs> hopefully it's a uh, just a I don't yeah I don't know. Hopefully he's just like honestly, it's like Ja. If I were to have his friends, I would be like Ja. Just go home and play video games, dude. <laughs> like yeah, you're. Is. Like, that's, like, a huge hobby for people, even my age and, and his age, too. It's like, just, when you're done, don't go to the club. Go home and play video games, man. Like, become really good at Call of Duty Warzone or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, hopefully, he just makes some better decisions coming up forward, because it'll be too bad if he can't. I mean, it would be, it would be, yeah, really disappointing. So, um... 
and it will be a really bad look for Adam Silver in the league if, like Dan's yeah. saying, like because Dan, you are far from the only person I have to imagine that is clamoring for more than twenty five games. Um, well, it, it, if nothing else comes of any of this stuff, I'm going to look like an alarmist. But the problem with with issues like this is that you have a systemic thing that everyone goes, oh, let's just talk about sports. And it's like, no, 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 no. We don't get to just talk about sports. He's the one that brought the gun to the conversation where I just want to talk about mm-hmm. if he's going to get a reliable jump shot, right? I didn't yep. bring a gun. You didn't bring a gun. Like, I want to talk about, okay, if he gets a reliable jump shot, how dangerous can John Morant be as a player? Instead, this is what we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. It's all self-inflicted. And it's like, he's got to realize nobody else, as much as I said, Deepak is the one who's like putting them on Instagram and stuff. And it's like, Shah, you are making the decisions that put you in the situation. It's like, don't do that, you know. So he, hopefully, he's young enough to learn. I mean, like, well, I, I'm sure we made bad decisions when we were that age, but I'm not, not this bad. <laughs> do you need to cost yourself before you realize that it's important? yes? That's exactly the thing. It's like, yeah. I mean, he he could if he gets another huge suspension without pay. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, yeah, forty the, million dollars already just for not being super max eligible. Yeah. Right, and then he's missing out on his uh, however much he's getting for his twenty-five game suspension too. It's like, yeah, the money, man. Like, hopefully, as, as crass as it sounds, hopefully that's enough to like look at the bank account, be like, damn, this has cost me a lot of money. So, hopefully, he figures it out. We'll see. Uh, let's quickly move on to our last topic here, which is the state of our teams, mm-hmm. um, so we can have some fun before we get out of here. So, who should we talk about first? Milwaukee, Dallas, or Golden State? Milwaukee is my vote. Okay, I'll go first here on how I feel about my team. Uh, So, overall, I have to think, well, last year, massively disappointing, obviously. Uh, Number one seed overall, losing the first round. However, obviously, Giannis got injured, and you have to be a pretty good team to finish with the best record in the league. Uh, so, like, top down, I still feel okay about the team. Um, you know, obviously, recently, Chris Middleton opted out. 100% he's signing for more uh, more years, but less money overall. He was involved in the uh, decision-making with Giannis. At the, they had, like, a team meeting between, like, the owners, Horst, and then Giannis and Middleton were there as the players. It's like, okay, you don't show up to that meeting for Chris Middleton if your intention is not to be on the Bucks next year. <laughs> that doesn't make sense at all. That's stupid, right? So the hope would be that him taking less money would allow them to resign Brooke Lopez if I know Houston really wants him. That's their number one target. We discussed the Kings potentially trying to make a run at him. Uh, I have, boy, it's tough to say, like, they're going to have to come with a lot of money. Because it's, I think it's tough for a player to leave a, a winning situation for a, a, a big-time losing situation like Houston if you're not going to give them so much more money that it blows you away. Same with the Monty thing we just talked about. So um, I, my hope would be that both those players would come back. If Brooke doesn't come back, the Bucks are in big trouble because the big man depth sucks. I, I, I know he's going to be on Team USA. Uh, for this FIBA upcoming, and I know the other 
idiot Bucks fans love him. I do not like Bobby Portis. Like, he can't play defense at all. And he's just an absolute save. And when they're out there, if he's not shooting like 40% from three, he's totally useless. Like, he, I know he put up all the double doubles this year and he was a six man of the year candidate. He was worse than he was the previous year, in my opinion. I, I watch the Bucks a lot and I was not impressed with what Portis put up this year. So uh, he, he can't play center full time for them in the regular season. It would be a disaster. Uh, so they have to bring Brooke back. Uh, you know, the young players on the roster are hoping these draft picks. I mean, uh, Jackson, he was, uh, you know, national title winner, so he's got some moxie to him. He can pass the ball, which is a really important thing for the Bucks. He can't shoot. Big problem. Uh, I don't know this Livingston guy they picked, or whoever his name is, at the last pick of, this, of the thing. Or they gave a, the, obviously, they must have given him a guarantee because he shut down his workouts. He's a Kentucky guy, so he, I don't know. He's got good pedigree, but don't know anything about him, really. Uh, they have this is probably one of the biggest problems is they have not reloaded youth on the roster since the Giannis picked the picks have been horrible I showed Sheldon this hilarious Instagram post of the that they were like remember these guys notable. that we picked <laughs> notable and it was like Thon McCurr DJ Wilson Jordan mm. Wara they had Regu DiVincenzo but basically since they picked Giannis I think they've probably had three good picks and one that I'm not going to Make judgment on. Bochamp doesn't count because he's new. We had him in the season one year. Can't make a decision. But like, DiVincenzo, he was good. They traded him. Uh, let's see. Who else was good? Um, what about Jabari Parker? Oh, oh yeah. Say so Jabari. Jabari was an okay pick. I mean, that was a good pick. It was just, unfortunately, he got injured. Yeah. Um, and then there was, Sean, there was one other guy I told you too who was a good pick, but I forgot who it was. Um, oh, Brogdon. Brogdon, oh. they traded him too. But, uh, well, he had the bad medical. So, again, I think it made sense to get rid of him if you thought his medicals were bad. So, it's like, Giannis was picked in 2013, and I named uh, basically two guys who were good, and then a guy who was a good pick that got injured, and a guy we don't know about. So, they haven't picked anybody good lately, and that's been a problem for them. But, I mean, they still have Giannis. So, uh, you're going to be good, and you're going to be a contender. So, basically... Uh, the start of the sentence and the end of the sentence is the Bucks have Giannis. So um, the coaching change uh, from Adrian Griffin uh, or to Adrian Griffin from Bud. Uh, I was, of course, tired of Bud. He he had some bad habits that he regressed to. Like in 2021, Oops. you know, they spent the whole season trying to do the switching thing and it worked in the postseason. And then he just fell back onto his worst habits this last year. I, I I don't. I don't want to kill him too much for this postseason because it's it's tough to say because he had his, his brother die during the the series. So I don't know how much he was checked in. Like if he was not checked in totally, I 100 percent get it. Like that's a horrible thing to have happen to you. And if you're not there mentally, I get it. But if you're not, I wish he had let Charles Lee coach the team and just taken some time off because I we get it. It's like if you're like my brother died, I I not in the right mind frame. People get it. That sucks. Um. That's a horrible thing to have happened to you, and everybody understands that if you needed a little bit of even just one game off to, you know, gather your thoughts, we would have got it. But he stuck with it, so I have to talk about what he did or what he didn't do, which was never change any of his defensive scheme. Had Drew continually guard Jimmy, even though he was getting cooked, and he was way out of gas. And they still run the same crappy offense, which is not an offense. Uh, no Middleton, Giannis pick and rolls, so... 
Um, yeah, I. It was time for him to go. It had unfortunately run its course. You know, if they had won another title this year, obviously he would stuck around. But yeah, no, I was I was ready for that. And who knows, Adrian Griffin? I don't know. He's a rookie head coach. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Is he going to be good? I have no clue. <laughs> no one has any clue. I, yeah, I think they should be still relatively optimistic here. You know, if you sign Middleton and Lopez, as predicted, you had the best record in the NBA. The title window is still open because Giannis is there, like you said. Like, they, they realistically couldn't do much to improve the roster. It's a, no, it's a, it's a well-constructed roster around Giannis. I want to point that out. Like, obviously, there's health issues, and I, I don't know. I... I love Drew Holiday. I like he did get cooked by um, by Jimmy, but I think part of that is like he was being asked to do too much individually. Yep. That goes back to your point. Like I think the biggest issue with Bud, other than not, not calling freaking timeouts, is uh, oh, don't bring that up, please. Oh my god, we don't have time for that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, we won't go into it. I'm just saying. I think that uh, is an issue. Uh, <laughs> well, he has no offensive system. And that's how you wear guys like Drew Holiday out is like you're asking him to do more one-on-one creation, especially when Giannis was injured, than you really should be asking him to do. He's not a pure point guard, I agree. So And, and, and he's guarding Jimmy freaking Butler, like playoff mode Jimmy. On the <laughs> yes. That's, that's just not fair. And he's smaller than Jimmy, so Jimmy can shoot over him too. So it's like you're not even putting a guy who's bigger on him. It's like, yeah, Jimmy just can shoot over Drew. You just have to pull up and shoot. It's like, oh my god, yeah. So, I still feel I probably feel the most optimistic about all of our teams because it's like, because you have Giannis. Yeah, that's exactly it. As I said, it begins and it starts with the fact that Giannis is in the team. I don't know. You know, he's got the upcoming. He could. He's extension eligible uh, through October, I think, to sign on to add more years. I don't see any reason for him to do that because it's like. This was an aging old roster. Um, why would you do that? You want to, con- I mean, even if he wants to stay in Milwaukee, to just to keep the pressure on Milwaukee, right? To continue to try to make moves and improvements to the roster, not just like be cool with what they got. So I don't see any reason for him to do it. So when he doesn't do it, I don't think it's panic time yet. I don't think it's, you know, everybody's going to be, you know, hitting the armory and loading up their picks and players and getting ready to try to trade for Giannis. I, I uh, wouldn't do that yet if I were teams if he doesn't sign the extension yet. I still think he's still most likely to stay in Milwaukee, but um, yeah. So I still feel good about my team as being, like, if we were to do who are the best teams in the East, it's still either them or Boston. So it's like... And Boston to me is still a giant question mark, and Philly's a question mark, and Miami, Mm -hmm. and like, trade for a star is a question mark. So like you guys being somewhat of a, like, I don't even, if you get Lopez and um, Middleton back, I don't even think you're a question mark. I think you're just a solid contender at that point. Yeah. So I I feel assuming Middleton and Lopez return, I still feel fine about the team. So uh, I wish we had five second round picks to trade for somebody instead of (laughs) a, a back, but 
Oh, some bad mistakes happened. They traded four picks for Mirtich, and he sucked. Traded five picks for Crowder, he sucked. So let's not do that anymore. <laughs> so I, I saw Mirtich play in EuroLeague, and he was so clearly the best player on the court. It was not even funny. It was Barca versus, uh, <laughs> uh, like, the Greek, whatever the name of the Greek EuroLeague team is. And Mirtich was on Barca, and he freaking torched everyone. Nobody could guard him. And it's so funny to realize, like, Oh, this guy was like, I'd rather play in Europe and just, you know, go from amazing European city to amazing European city every day and not have to get punched by Bobby Portis. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, still feel good about my team overall. So, who's going to go next year, Dan or Sean? Uh, Sean can go. Okay. Yeah, we already talked Warriors a bit, and I kind of gave some of my thoughts after the Chris Paul uh, bit, but. Kind of like you, Bartley, I feel about the same as, about the Warriors as I did at the end of the season. And and that is that I think they're still good um, as long as the core is there. I I don't actually believe Draymond's going anywhere. I think he's going to resign. Um, they're going to sign some guys to vet men contracts who hopefully can shore up a couple of the wing bench spots and that sort of thing. But... They had the best starting five in the league last year. They're going to still have that starting five. A year older, sure. They're about the oldest team in the league by far. Um, Their title window, I think, is closed. I I just think not only are they regressing, but there are just some teams that are just too good now, Denver Mm -hmm. being one of them, um, that it would take, you know, some fluky injury or matchup-related things, I think, for them to make the finals again. Uh, So... I don't know. It, it, I'm a spoiled fan. We got four titles, two more finals runs, a decade of being the best, most fun to watch basketball team in the league. I'm pretty happy with where they're at. I get more Warriors with the core. They're going to make the playoffs. They're going to be fine. Uh, they're not going to win the title. Hopefully the Chris Paul thing is okay. Like 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 Dan brought up, I, I am worried about the fit with it, but... I think the rest of the Warriors are enough that eh, they're they're going to be like a a forty five to fifty win on the cusp of the the play in I think again sort of team and I'm okay watching that at, at the tail end here of the the Splash Bros career. Yeah, the, yeah I, the, the addition by addition by subtraction factor, which is you're not giving minutes to Jordan Poole, which after this last season is a net plus in my opinion. Yeah. Are you going to be not the worst team other than like the Pistons on the road this year? Is that the plan to be like the fifth <laughs> That's worst the team? hope. I mean, I have no <laughs> idea. Like if you looked at the what numbers, that? the splits that teams shot at home versus what they shot on the road against the Warriors, especially from three point range are you have to think unsustainable. Like they might not be a good road team, but I can't fathom that they're like win 10 games all season on the road bad. Again. Do, you, do you guys pump asbestos into the visitors uh, <laughs> room in, like in your stadium? Like, is that like the locker room gets pumped some kind of like gas into it? And they're like, wow, I just can't shoot tonight. I don't know what it is. That's a smart. Maybe that is what's happening. I don't know. But yeah, that was the weirdest thing. So, yeah, I have to agree. I have to imagine regression to the being that because that didn't freaking. It, it, I can't even get it out of my mouth here. It, it was so confusing to me. It made no sense at all how he could be that drastically different. Uh, and people smarter than me 
who studied for this living could figure it out. So I don't know how I'm supposed to figure out what the hell happened. There. It was so weird. Yeah. Um, I do agree. I think you guys are in a different uh, phase, I think, of your team and your run. I think I agree it's probably over. That uh, title last year's miraculous, the 2022 one, that you guys got an extra one, I think. Um, but yeah, I think unless the different. bow on top, their legacies are set. Yep. You know, yeah. let's just enjoy the twilight of the careers and watch Steph put some of these records into just unreachable territory, probably. Yeah, yeah. he's so transcendently talented. I, I, I wish as a fan, and especially I, I love the style that you like, because I was going to add on to the accolades, like you guys revolutionized the game, honestly. Mm-hmm. The, the like Cat. Played on the offensive end. No, 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 don't go there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm trying to be genuine here. Show some love. Um, no, I, I know a lot of people, you guys were the guys to hate the villains after KD joined the Warriors, but even the pre-KD Warriors, like you guys genuinely changed the way basketball is played offensively, and it's never going to go back. And let, Barring crazy levels of rule changes, it's never going to go back. Yep. So it's really like, it's not only that you had the four championships, but just to completely change the way basketball is played is pretty impressive. Agree. Yeah. And yeah, and Jokic is the best player in basketball now, but Steph Curry is still the best show in basketball, I think. So, I mean, he's the only guy that can pull up with the shots that he pulls up on and I'm just like, "Oh, that's going in." Mm-hmm. So it's like they'll be fun to watch. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I hope that Clay Thompson is completely healthy the whole year. That's what I hope. Because I like I really like him as a player and it's sad that he's inconsistent now. And I think it's because his body is kind of betraying him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll be tough. Yeah. We'll see if we get playoff play or if we got I mean he again, he played sixty nine games last year, still averaged twenty two points, led the league in three pointers made and shot forty two percent still from three point range. Like he's still useful he's not the three and d player he was but he's still a piece yeah it's a good squad you guys are well constructed too though so i mean assuming stuff around the edges whether it's a mid-season cp trade or you guys somehow manage to be some you know crazy uh, hybrid team that plays differently when he's on the floor like it's there's there's still an opportunity to be very good. I agree. I think your title contention is probably closed, especially with Denver being what they are. Like if, if it was chaos again, I think there's an opportunity there, but I don't think the West is necessarily going to be entirely chaos. I think there's going to be a couple teams that are very good. Mm-hmm. And I think the Lakers are better just so the size, you know, that was a matchup problem in the playoffs. I think they would have issues with Phoenix even with Phoenix's depth issues and those sorts of things. I think a year more for the Kings, they probably have issues with the Kings. They might have issues with the Grizzlies. Yeah. Like there's, there's just too many good teams in the West for me to think that they can win three playoff series against Western conference teams. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So Dan, let's hear about your team. Oh man. Okay. Um, we, we talked positively about them earlier. So do remember that we all love to try and stay positive. So in order, in order to talk about the Mavs positively, I'm going to go take it all the way back to 2011, where the last time <laughs> a scary team, we had uh, Jason Kidd as a point guard throwing lobs to Tyson Chandler. And it turns out that having, when you have a transcendently talented passer, having a rim running center that can block shots and doesn't need the ball 
at all unless he's dunking or um, passing out of the double team every once in a while. Um, it's really good. So I actually really like the draft decision. I think that getting getting a guy that 90, 95% of his shots are going to be dunks is a great idea. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it really, the Kyrie Irving thing is looming over the whole, the whole next season for me is if we sign him or are going to sign him because obviously everyone knows he's going to want real money in real years, it's going to immediately become one of the worst contracts in the league. And from the last episode, the, the mid-season episode we had where I was ranting about defense and how we traded our best defensive player for Kyrie, Kyrie freaking Irving and immediately became one of the worst defensive teams in the league. Shocking, I know. It's great that both of our draft decisions were to get better defensively, but the problem is if Luka and Kyrie are your two best players, you're still at best going to be a slightly below average team defensively. And in the West, I think that is a recipe for maybe kind of sort of barely making the playoffs and that's a horrible idea. Yeah, I mean the Kyrie thing uh you know, reports and indications say that talks are mm. indicating that it seems like it's going to happen. So unfortunately yeah, for you, I yeah, think he's he, he traded for it for a reason, right? So it would make sense. Like everyone's going to do the whole, oh, you let him go for nothing if they let him go. And it's like, no, no, no. This is the whole thing about that fallacy of a, of a way of looking at it is like not having a player on your team is sometimes an asset. Like the Warriors now do not have Jordan Poole on their team. That is an asset, right? Yep. I watched the games. I saw what he did when he was on the floor. I saw Steph Curry get thrown out out of frustration of Jordan Poole doing Jordan Poole things. So sometimes not having a guy on your team is not letting him go for nothing. Um, yes, the whole Ewing theory thing, right? It's, it's Some of it is really just about... Uh, this is where I have empathy uh, for Memphis, honestly, is like their team has a transcendently talented superstar that has the emotional maturity of like, if we're being generous, a 14 year old and the Mavs are in the exact same boat. Like Luca needs to grow the hell up. If, if the Mavs have a chance of doing anything ever, he's an amazing basketball player. I don't want to sound like I'm just hating, like I watching him live and he was not even hundred percent the last time I saw him play in person, but even at 70% or whatever he was playing at, he's still, ridiculously talented player, but he spends more time griping at the refs than he does actually getting back on defense. So we're never going to do anything in the NBA until he grows up a little bit. And we need to not sign Kyrie Irving, but we'll see. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think if we're operating under the assumption here that Kyrie is re-signed, at least this offseason, it seems like Dallas has a plan to make it work. I, do, I, I agree. I don't know that it will, but, you know, we had Christian Wood there at center uh, previously because Luca couldn't be the only person that could score, but Wood was so bad everywhere else that it was a, a, a negative. Yep. Um, so now that the center's position is going to be platooned by Lively and then Rashawn Holmes, who I, I think is a pretty good big, he got pushed out in Sacramento because, you know, he's a pick and roll big guy who doesn't work in a Sabonis driven offense. But I think he's going to probably play more minutes than Lively this season, if I had to guess. Uh, yeah. In the five spot. And is a huge upgrade, 
now that you have a second scorer with Luca and don't need your center to do anything other than roll to the basket for you uh, and play competent defense. Like, it's a good start. Uh, what, Hardy looked pretty good in certain minutes. He's, he's a decent piece. Hardaway Jr. still, you know, I, I think you're right that they are probably a a play-in sort of team or, or fighting to get out of the play-in or fighting to get in it somewhere in that ballpark, which is not what you want when you have two players making max contract money. But the moves that they've made since the draft at least let me see that they're have a plan for roster construction of what they need around Luca and Kyrie. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If, if I go down the roster, like Josh Green's another guy that really should promise it in spots. Like there's, it's not that their front office makes all bad decisions. It's just that if you, my earlier point about the new CBA making these big contracts critical, it's great that Josh Green looks good. It's great that Hardy can look good. It's great that some of these other guys on the edges might, may or may not like maybe lively really works out well. And he, like he's going to get a lot of dunks for however many minutes he plays this year, even 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 if he's only playing rookie minutes. But great, say you hit on all of those. If you're paying Kyrie Irving in the new CBA, Kyrie Irving money, you are not going to be a good basketball team. No, well, that's fair. Yeah, I have to feel like they have to. You have to be trying to convince him to take more years but less money. I feel like that's like what they have to be trying to do where it's like at least then it doesn't totally kill you. Cause he's not going to want to take like a two year deal. I can't see that happening, but if you give him like, if you can get him to take like four for 25 each, at least even that, I don't think he's taking that, but that, that has to be your hope is that he'll take more years, but less money. Because yeah, it's the same issue that I ragged on the, the Suns for is that he doesn't play for various on and off court reasons. He doesn't play enough games. And that's the other problem with paying him that money is you're not even paying Kyrie Irving. You're paying two thirds to three quarters of a season Kyrie Irving. <laughs> yeah, you're paying for a suit a lot of times. <laughs> yeah, and you've got to really be hoping that they gel too. Because what Kyrie played pretty well and they won a lot of games with Lucas Sath. But when they played together last year, the Mavs were not good. This is that not surprising to me at all because Kyrie needs the ball. Luka needs the ball. They are not well paired. Yeah, you, you have need, to feel just so much need, worse about it, I think, like, that the well, team decided to tank and miss the playoffs because of how bad they played together last year. That's, just, that's still crazy to me that a team would trade for presumably an all-star and then quit. I still honestly feel guilty that that worked out. Like I was hoping that the basketball gods would punish us and we would lose the pick because that just, <laughs> no, like it, it's not, uh, I mean, I agree, but I want to have a team with a, like Luca is a player that people were making genuine arguments at various different points. Like, Oh, he's an MVP or like next year, like soon to be MVP caliber player, right. In the discussion, so to speak, right. You should not have a player that good and need to tank out of the plan to keep a draft pick. Yeah. Well, you remember people thought he maybe should have been on the 75 team, right? It was a bit early for him, probably, but there was talks about that. It's like, man, how things have changed. I mean, he, obviously, he's still an amazing player, but uh, he, the, the fortunes of the team have changed a lot. Potential, but th this is the thing where roster construction matters. 
the team around him is not well constructed. And I'm not even like, this is the funny thing is everyone loves to harp on letting um, Brunson go to the Knicks. And yes, I completely grant the front office screwed that up. But here's the thing. I watched that version of the team too. That version of the team was never going to go anywhere. Like Brunson is great, but when you have an undersized guy that's all about being crafty but needs the ball fundamentally, like uh, New York is better when Brunson is running the show, right? So it's all props to him for working as hard as he is to become as good of a player as he did. That's great. He is not, Brunson is not the solution to the Mavs. You need like three and D wings that play defense, that shoot threes, and you need a cohesive team system. You need to not have kid be the coach. Like there's a bunch That's of That's what stuff I was going to bring up. Yep. Right? Yeah, no, no, no. The kid is not in this. So It's so funny. So uh, you know, my, my wife watches quite a bit of basketball, but like just very casually at this point as a fan, because all of her favorite players have basically retired. But like the last uh, live game we went to was right before the Kyrie trade. And when we're driving home from that, she's like, oh yeah, that coach is no good. They need to fire him. And I just, I laughed out loud because it's like, she only like part-time follows the league now. And just in one live game, she's like, oh yeah, kid's no good. We, We need to get rid of him. And I was like, yep. Like she immediately picked up on it. It's like, he's just not a good coach. Yeah, that's the that's the first most obvious change they can make that could improve the team is like getting a new coach and like they don't even have to get a coach who's like amazing all time great. Like if they can get a coach who's like a B, that would be that would be a massive improvement on the team, you know, because like, yeah, I I mean, my, my biggest thing about the reason why we know Jason Kidd isn't good is. Jason Kidd was a coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks added Brooke Lopez, a guy who the Lakers didn't even want to re-sign. And then they had the best record in the league next year with Boonholzer. And they had basically the exact same roster, except for Brooke Lopez, who, like, yeah, he's the all-time leading scorer of the Nets, but people aren't like, Brooke Lopez, what a world beater, you know? It's like... And Budenholzer, in my opinion, is a B-minus coach. Exactly, that's my objective assessment of him is he's he's not terrible, but he's not great. And when you go from kid to Budenholzer and you get the best record in the league, that is a sign that kid is not a good coach. Yeah. So I, I would I my number one recommendation for the team is they got to fire kid at some point. And I think like I'm surprised he survived this season, to be honest. Um, I don't think expectations were, were pretty high, uh, obviously coming off of uh, Western Conference finals. And then to have the team decide we're going to tank to end the season. I'm like, how does your coach survive that? I just, I mean, I I don't know. The hilarious thing about all the draft stuff is the thing that I'm most excited about. I know this sounds ridiculous, but like getting rid of Bertons makes me very happy because kid kept playing him. And every time we played him, we would get torched. And the fact that he's not on the roster means that kid cannot put him in in crunch time. And then I don't have to watch him get ISOed by every wing player in the NBA. Yeah, I totally understand that. Um, So... I mean, overall, your your team. I don't know how I feel about them. Uh, yeah, playing level team again, I guess. But That's I mean, sad. they have some. I, out of the three teams, I think clearly got to feel the worst about them because 
not only is your roster kind of like funky right now, I do, like I said, like we both said, we like the picks. They they fit more to Lucas' timeline in terms of their age. You know, they're like 19 and 20 or whatever they are, closer to Luca than some of the other players that they've had before. So it's like they could fit long term, but is Luca good? The problem is, is Luca going to be around when those players develop? Because if they aren't good, he's could leave and. Right, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I mean... Uh, this is why I have heart palpitations. And even if he sticks it out, it honestly... At, the best case right now is it's going to be Dirk all over again, where you have a transcendent star that just has poorly constructed, mediocre rosters around him for like a decade, right? And it mm-hmm. is not fun to watch a transcendent star get hamstrung by not having the right team built around him. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I like some of the stuff they've done this off season, but I think I agree. I think we all agree they're going to resign Kyrie. And I don't think any of us really like that. Yeah, so I it's like they're going to have a nice, There's nice a draft. Yeah, got rid of burn chains. I was I was telling folks right after the season ended. I'm like, if they sign and trade him and get Reeves out of it, I will be okay with that. And I know that sounds like an insane an insane thing to say, but it's about contract size and age and roster construction and it's just about the whole big picture is like i'm not even saying reeves is some amazing player i just think that he would be better on oh, the you. <laughs> he'd be better on the Mavs than Kyrie would be I'm, i'll uh, just say straight up oh like, for it, sure like it just it's that simple also reeves is on our fifa team man he's gonna lead us to glory in vanilla um uh, yeah i mean I, I austin reeves is like Completely, like, there would... I don't think there's any... Oh, my God. Teams have to pay him so much money to try to pry him from the Lakers. And even then, I, the Lakers are going to pay whatever it is to keep him because I, they have to, so... um, But, yeah, he would have been a... He would... Had he not been so good in the postseason, where it was still like, Austin Reeves, a nice player. Not like, I'm him, Austin Reeves. Um, <laughs> in... Oh, did you also see the hilarious thing where he was... Uh, the fake rumor where he and Taylor Swift were spotted together in uh, Arkansas together. That was funny, too. That was a nice, like, uh, 20 minutes where I thought that that was real. <laughs> I was like, I could know who her ex-boyfriend is this time, finally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but oh, I guess I knew who Hall was. So, uh, but, yeah, I mean, Dallas, uh, things are a little bit dicey there. I could see things going really wrong but i still think they're it for me a lot of it does hinge on like you remember when we were all like Jokic, nice guy nice player you know really good one skill is passing you know he, he shoots the ball decently well but he's always out of shape you know comes into camp always out of shape and he's just like he's not fulfilling his potential i feel like but then when he came back to the bubble and we were all like he's emaciated because he's so thin but he had like worked on getting into shape and then wow what a surprise next year he was an mvp level guy you know it was like yeah um i have to hope that that happens for luca we know he's cut out some of the sweet tea out of his diet which has helped but um he's gonna need that moment too that yoka chat where it's like i am really good i am an all-star all nba level player but i could be another level of player 
And I think it's tough when you're that young and you're that good already and people are already like, oh man, you could be an MVP candidate to realize, no, there's another level to unlock when you've been so good for so long, you know? Like, when you compare him to like a person like, uh, I hate to say this, but like a Giannis who was kind of not good for a long time and had to really work to get good, um, it just takes some time. So hopefully, you know, I'm hopeful for Luca uh, that... He'll get some stuff together. I think he's going to need another, a different coach, though, to really. And, to and a different roster around him. But yeah, to your guys' point, that might end up being on a different team. I guess we'll see. Yeah. I don't, I don't feel like the superstars have patience anymore. Dirk stuck it out and re- was rewarded. But man, it was a lot of years in the wilderness before, you know, before it came together. Yeah. Yeah. So. Kind of a downer note to end on. Sorry, I like I said, I do like to be positive. As we said, their draft day was very good. So I, I would, at the current moment of June twenty fifth, Kyrie has not signed his extension. Has <laughs> not signed yet. I feel good about the Mavs um, because I, I've liked what they've been doing. They look like they have kind of figured some stuff out. Uh, if we ignore some of the mistakes they've made in the past, but I like what they've done, but I think they're in about who knows how long they're going to be making a mistake soon. But, um, yeah, the, yeah. I, they still have Luca, and if, as long as they have Luca, and if I mean, you're still going to be a con- you still have to be considered a threat. So. Yeah, no, that that's the positive note that it ends on is it's better than teams that are just bad and don't have a transcendently talented young player. I mean, you could have been the Wizards with Beal, where it's like, well, there's no hope. It's like, we have Luka. In any series, you get into a postseason. If you get the postseason, he could be the best player in a series. He could be better He could be better than Jokic in a series. I mean, like, he's that good, right? So, um, yeah, it's still always a chance. The Suns in the playoffs, you know, last year, or year before this last season. Mm-hmm. Who yeah, knows? so. Who knows? Yeah, who knows with them? So, uh... I have exhausted all of my things I wanted to talk about today. I assume everybody else has as well, correct? Yep. Correct. All right. Well, it's getting late. It's time to be like Wendy and tell everybody that I... Oh, no, that's not going to work because he tells people he gets up at like 5 a.m. I can't tell people I got up at 10 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> that's not going to work. <laughs> They're going to be like, oh, you slept in so late. Oh, damn. Anyway, uh, let's pretend I got up at 5 and it's like 2 a.m. in the morning now so we can sound like we've been working really long and not that I've only been up for 12 hours, I guess. So, um, Anyway, it was fun talking to you guys. Again, as always, thanks for joining. Uh, I'm not sure what we're going to get together again. It might be, again, for the start of the season. It could be, I don't know. Depends yeah. on if I really get the FIBA fever. Odd, right? I'm assuming we're doing a Con of the Rings pod. Does it, that's after the season? That is before the season starts, isn't it? Yeah, I always forget that. It always seems like, yeah. So we'll have to do something there too, potentially. So, um, yeah, we'll see each other sometime before the season starts. Uh, maybe for some FIBA fever, if it really gets us here. Um, who knows? So. It was a fun season, everybody, and I'm looking forward to the next one, and I'm sure these guys agree. So we'll see you sometime later this year.
Thanks a lot, guys. It was fun. Yes, it was.